Blog Talk Radio. He spoke about that during the presser. 
And uh, there was a lot of things that he talked about. But I liked what he had to say. I enjoyed uh, what I was able to watch today throughout some of the day as we had a very busy day here at Southern Sports Central off the air. But we'll bring in Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central. He and I, Eugene, will we'll sit down for about 30, maybe 25 minutes. We'll talk about this process. We'll talk about who he feels is going to be the next coordinator in the offense, in the defense, who's going to play different positions, who's going to do different things and roles to get the Gamecocks back to where they need to be and be in a conversation with being competitive. Because right now that's not the conversation that you're hearing in Columbia. Of course, uh, like I mentioned, uh, at 8 o'clock, we will have what I like to call the championship hour. That's right. We've got four different guys coming from four different schools representing four different classifications that all won a trophy between Friday night. By the way, big time action on Friday night when you got to see or hear or read about what, of course, happened over there with Coach Knox, who now holds a record in the state of South Carolina with consecutive state champions. Pit five in the air because that's what he's doing. That's what he did. And he did it with, of course, uh, the guy that's going to join us to start it all off. Shaman Price, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe this young man's got five rings. He's a left tackle. He's the offensive guy that has done big things for multiple guys that he's seen come and go. And now he will put that final ring on his finger when it comes in. He did hold up the trophy. I would imagine he held up the trophy uh, on Friday night. But, again, we'll listen to Shaman Price, who I believe will be going somewhere to play uh, in uh, the next year as he'll be a college athlete. But uh, he joins us at 8 o'clock. Then we go to AC floor with Eric Price, the wide receiver. The kid's got elusive speed. He did what he needed to do. We'll talk to him around 8.15. He is a 4A state champion after this weekend. Then we head down to 3A with Jackson Crosby. He's a wide receiver, by the way, very good wide receiver. He's also a quarterback, but uh, he's from Daniel. Daniel, of course, winning the 3A. And then it's uh, Mr. Zach, and let me make sure I say this slowly, Zavitsky, he is a defensive end. He's a linebacker. He is part of that Southside Christian team. He joins us around 825. And like I believe, we've got the Daniel young man, Jan, uh, Jackson Crosby, actually joining us sometime around 835. So it's going to be kind of a, a 10, 10 and in, if you will. We'll bring him in for about 10 minutes. We'll let him talk a little bit. We'll love on him a little bit. Then we'll move on to the next one. And of course, we did not see any action in 2A football here in the great state of South Carolina as uh, it was championship weekend. So these guys get a stage of their own. And I, I get that the fans in certain areas wanted to play, but now you are the only game in town. I think that's pretty cool, and that speaks volumes about, you know, hey, look, it is all about you, literally. In this one weekend coming up, it will be all about Marion and the Big A of Abbeville. They'll square it off here coming up soon. We'll talk a little bit about that also with Stacey Huff, who did, like I mentioned, covered every – game but the 1A game he did not get a chance to cover that game but we'll talk a little bit about his thoughts on how good Southside Christian actually was they beat the Lakeview Gators and I actually picked Lakeview lost that one that's all right uh, I picked North Myrtle Beach AC floor won that one uh, AC floor did I did not <laughs> uh, Doug Fork I did win by the way so I appreciate you coach not doing what you need to do and uh, the boys of Daniel uh, I didn't pick Daniel either and I picked Daniel the whole way through and uh, decided to go with the boys, um, you know, on the other side, and uh, it didn't work for me neither. So, with that, let me go ahead and bring in uh, the guy that does it on the other side. And you can find him, follow him, and follow us. Uh, all of the um, all of the the action happening on social media. 
at SO Sports Central. That's Twitter. And then on Facebook, it's Southern Sports Central. So tonight, we'll be tweeting it out. We'll be putting it out. We'll be handling all the business. But, Eugene, you know, what a great weekend. I mean, we, we start off Friday night where we saw the boys of Dutch Fort do what Dutch Fort does. They get the win. Then we see on Saturday, it, it just kind of kept doing what it needed to do. Southside Christian picks up that big win. Uh, we see your boys of Camden. They went down with Daniel handling business there. Jackson Crosby, by the way, one of the guys that manhandled it. The uh, the nightcap had um, not so good for North Myrtle Beach as they got knocked out by AC Flora. But how about the Coastal Carolina Shauna Clears? Take out the number eight team in the country, in the country with college game day in town. Now, they only moved up a couple of slots. I don't understand it to some degree, and other degrees I do. But a, a great weekend indeed because you look at the rest of college football, Eugene, and you see Clemson, Notre Dame, stamp their tickets. They'll be playing in the ACC championship game. You got a chance to see your Florida Gators, by the way. They'll be playing Alabama in the SEC championship. Again, that conversation, Oklahoma, because if you watch the new head coach, which that's another thing that happened yesterday, so a busy weekend for our state here, um, mentioned that they still have a chance, Oklahoma playing in the Big 12 championship. So a lot of conversation, a lot to cover, and only three hours to do it, my friend. It is a lot to cover, but it should be a fun night. should be pretty, uh, you know, when you have so many great guests, it's kind of, you know, when you're, you're thinking about, man, we got three hours, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot to cover, and, you know, it's a big time gap. But then once you get down to that two hours and 59 minutes, you're like, oh, oh, you know, I got something else I wanted to add out for everybody to think about, to you know, to hear, and you just run out of time. But, you know, it should go by fast only because it's kind of that hard-hitting action, and, you know, the guys are awesome that have come on the show tonight. And so far, I'm 2-2 two and two in the state final games. Uh, you know, I, I wish I could have changed that. Um, and, and they didn't play. It was two days before kickoff. But I would have changed my Dutch Fort pick. I mean, who does – there's a lesson to people. You, you don't poke a bear. You don't throw gasoline on fire. You worry about you. You don't worry about the other team. And the video that was shared uh, that Wednesday night <clears throat> after we got off the show from T.L. Hannah, I get it, man. You're all excited. Making it to a state title game is a very big uh, opportunity, and it's a, a heck of a accomplishment itself. But, you know, you just <laughs> – when you're going against the four-time uh, defending state champion, you don't put out videos just antagonizing them. So uh, it was it was an exciting game. Um, uh, Dutch Sport just came out and handled business. We thought I thought Florida would score a ton. They did, uh, you know. And, and I didn't. Um, the came the game. I, you know, I wasn't quite sure. But what we did learn is uh, offense wins championships in 2020. That was the biggest thing we've gotten out of all four games so far. But I think the other um, – one of the other big takeaways, take too, is, you know, Southside Christian, a lot of their offense was basically created by the turnovers on, on, by defense. They got a bunch of interceptions in there. Uh, the same thing, actually, you know, um, <clears throat> Daniel, they caused a lot of turnovers. So when you look at these teams that scored 50, 60 points, you know, there were plays where they just boat raced everyone up and down the field. They were also, you know, they, they took – uh, advantage of some of the defensive creations uh, and, and had a short field and certainly capitalized on that. So um, it was, it's definitely exciting now. I think we're, it, we'll see what happens on the 
with the 2A game that didn't get played with Abbeville and Marion uh, also, too. Now, really, you know, we won't get into it with the young man from Flora, but uh, breaking news all over the state. Now, Flora uh, tested positive right after the game, either one player or, or players, not really mm. sure yet. I uh, haven't read all the articles, but uh, they just came out, the state's reporting it. I mean, it's all over and said the whole football team now has to quarantine for a week or two. So, uh, pretty um, exciting times, you know, in football. Uh, it has come to an end. We have one more game left. And, of course, you know, we have the big all-star game that we're part of. Uh, with, uh, I was going to say, we, had, we still so. got some football. Yeah, you're, you're exactly <laughs> so right. We still man. got so, the junior. So let me touch on – that conversation yeah. too though, Eugene, because that's something I haven't had a chance to dive into. As you know, I've been in and out of meetings all day as we're getting ready to unleash or, or say, let out the cat out of the bag with uh, the 2021 schedule for Southern sports central. We've been partnering up here uh, with, with some new partners. We we've, we've cut ties with other partners. We're looking, uh, you know, for camps that we're going to be, uh, you know, putting our names to saying, Hey, look, we're part of this. We agree with the way they're doing it. We agree with how they're doing it. We agree with the people that are doing it. All of that means, you know, that in one, when you see Southern Sports Central, you know, out and about. I cut a deal uh, here today with a, excuse me, a T-shirt company who will be, uh, you know, handing out some T-shirts throughout the day. So, got a lot happening, a lot of things that, that are going to start popping out in January, February, and March where, you know, everybody's like, Rich, what's going to happen when football stops, I'm like, football doesn't stop. It never stops. Thanks to early signing period and late signing period. And now with COVID, you know, you've got teams that are going to be playing in the fall, in the spring. And, of course, North Carolina, the state of North Carolina is going to be playing in the spring. And we've already got an invitation to do a game on the air over at Olympic High School where Miss Stephanie Wilkes is the, um, is the AD over there. So, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot on the plate coming up. We're very blessed. We're very honored to get these invites, uh, you know, we, we want to give a shout-out to Griffin High School. That's a school in Georgia. They won big on Friday night. They get to live to see another day. And you already know if, if there's football being played on Friday nights in the state of Georgia, Cedar Grove is winning, and they did that as well. They beat uh, a team on Friday night as well that was highly ranked in, in a team that I'm not going to say that they were not favored to beat, but, but from what I understand and what I read was that it's a very, very good team. So, you know, that's a game that I would love – a team I'd love to actually go and cover, do a, maybe a game or something like that. Uh, I have seen them in action. They came to Somerville a couple of years ago. I, I thought Somerville, the adjustments that were made in the second half, had they had made those in the first quarter, second quarter, maybe that was a different story. But offensively, you know, uh, you know, we did what we needed to do. But the defense, you know, that year when uh, they came in, just gave up way too many opportunities. The, the, the adjustments weren't being made. So – you know, they, they paid for it, you know, because, you know, you can't wait too long to make some adjustments. And, uh, you know, Somerville, of course, gave them a battle, you know, a couple of years ago when they played over in McKissick Field. So, uh, when you look at it, it is a great show. Again, Stacy Huff will be joining us. He, you can hear him uh, here tonight at 630. You heard him on Friday nights. He's over there part of that Friday Night Rivals or Friday Night Lights or, you know, the, uh, the, the, the guys that do what they do around the state of South Carolina, part of that Watch Fox group actually, that does it in Columbia. You know, they've got a group down here that does a little something. And, of course, the guys up on the Grand Strand do some things. But, uh, you know, again, anytime you have a chance to, to highlight a young man or highlight a young woman, because some of the ladies are, you know, uh, hanging out on the football fields on Friday nights, you know, it's a good thing. You know, we appreciate that. And, again, to get Stacy in here, he and I have become pretty good buddies. You know, we uh, hung out actually at Ben Lippin for the first time this past summer. So, so many relationships, Eugene. So many relationships have come out of COVID. I got to be honest, man. 
You know, it's the first time I, I well, it's the second time I met Miss V, but officially met Miss V with the high school blitz. I actually met her at the state championship last year as um, she was there. Dutch Fork was on the field playing Dorman. I met her in the stands. Uh, she was actually sitting next to the quarterback from last year's mom. And um, at that time, only God knew that we were going to be working together uh, on the same mission. You know, last night, by the way, uh, we had a nice Zoom meeting. Uh, we talked about what's going to be coming up in the, uh, about two weeks from uh, yesterday. So we're under thir- we're at 13 days from kickoff to the Junior Bowl. That's going to be at Ben Limpin. Again, ironically it is. But we've got a lot going on. Kids are going to be showing up on Friday. Saturday morning, going to have one group practice. Saturday afternoon, we're going to have another group practice. We're going to do a media day. We're going to have a one-on-ones with these guys. We're going to be telling them what they need to do on social media, how they need to handle it, how they need to do, of course, the do's and don'ts on and off the field. But it's going to be a great opportunity for some relationships. As I just mentioned, that COVID's brought together. This is another opportunity, Eugene, that we're going to be bringing the juniors together on the 20th. And on the 2nd of January, we'll bring the seniors in, who I know you've been working hard and uh, you've seen a lot of stuff come out on our Twitter page on the invitations, as well as we've worked due diligently with the guys from the upstate up there with the Blitz. But it's a full production. And unless you've been a part of something like this, Eugene, I know you had no idea the work that goes into these type of games. Yeah, I mean, just from the logistical standpoint, you know, I've done, uh, I've been involved in doing it with one high school or, or you know, one team versus another. But, you know, when you're dealing with it, uh, <laughs> with uh, 88 kids and, you know, 10 coaches, uh, all just about it from, from different teams. I know there, you know, some teams do have a couple players on there. So it's not like it's 88 different teams, but, you know, it's 88 different kids with different situations. Um, coaches, geographically, trying to get them all up, trying to get everybody's information in, trying to find out who they are on social media, try to get to know them, you know, their coach, just that it, it's it's – it's a challenge, and that's just getting invitations out. That's not even kicking the ball off and uh, getting everybody together for practice and all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely going to be a good time. A lot of action going on. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll kind of get into some of the conversations here. But here's the conversation I want to get in with you. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Southern Sports Central. Follow us on Twitter at SO Sports Central. And, of course, on the gram, and that's Southern Sports Central as well. A little daylight soul to get us up and run and get that blood going here on a beautiful, chilly, yet wonderful, amazing Monday after the championships here on Southern Sports Central. Just me, myself, and I. 
to be himself, not what you read, all right? Right is wrong when hype is written on the soul. They lie that. Style is surely our own thing, not the fault of skies of showbiz. They lie solely from the soul, and in fact, I can't deny. Strictly from the Dan called Sucky, and from me, myself, and I. They diss my person by stating I'm darkly packed. I know this, so I point at Q-tip and he states, Black is black. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Shovel chestnuts in my path. Just keep on the us so I don't get an aftermath. But if I do, I'll calmly punch them in the fourth day of July. Cause they try to mess with third degree. That's me, myself, and I. Nah. Welcome back, everybody, here Richie Altman, live on Southern Sports Central, alongside Eugene Benton, coming to you all the way from South Carolina, the coast of South Carolina here in Charleston, South Carolina. I want to give a shout-out to all of you listening tonight, maybe for the first time. We want to welcome you to the family. Call in, hang out, talk to us. What's on your mind tonight? Because, again, the NFL took place last night. They'll play tonight. They'll play again, I think, tomorrow night. And I want to say I saw something on Wednesday night, man. I mean, no doubt about it. Why we have a lot to not be happy about in, in, in the COVID season. Boy, have we not been given quite a blessing with a lot of sports uh, all at once, an abundance, if you will. I mean, the Masters at one point were on with NASCAR and football and baseball. It felt like everything was kind of coming all to us all at once, kind of a buffet of uh, sports on the menu. Now, Eugene, I'm going to bring you back in here because we'll talk for about another seven minutes and we'll go to a break. We'll bring in of course, uh, Stacy Huff here in just a little bit. He'll be coming to us from Columbia, South Carolina. But, Eugene, when, when you saw this past weekend, any surprises with you? And I'm going to ask you this question. I don't know if you've seen it on Rumor Mill. We maybe need to get a segment called The Mill and let it be all about rumors that you keep hearing. Uh, you know, I've heard Urban Myers to Texas. And then today I heard Dan Mullen to Texas. I Again, your, your your thoughts on, I guess, Urban Myers probably is a far-fetched anyways. I just don't see him coming back to college football anymore. I think he's kind of pretty comfortable, kind of like that guy that was at Georgia for a long time that went to Miami, Mark Rick. These guys kind of like TV life. I think it's a little bit easier for their uh, blood pressure. But not getting a guy like, you know, um, Urban Myers going after a guy out of Florida, is that a better job to you? Maybe not right now, but long-term. Do you think Texas is a bigger job than Florida? Well, I think the lure of Texas uh, is much like Texas A&M. You know, they went out and offered uh, Jimbo Fisher that 10-year, 
$75 million deal. You know, you, you don't have to worry about <clears throat> facilities or anything else. I mean, these schools have, you know, 50, you know, uh, or 10, 20, 15, 30, whatever it is, billion-dollar endowment. And that's just on, on the education side as well as athletic. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at Texas as one of the premier states to recruit. Uh, you don't have to leave your border. You just have to, you know, build a wall and kind of fend those others off. You get to recruit kind of nationally because you're kind of right in the middle. Uh, you get to recruit over in Arizona and, and Southern California. Um, I don't see, though, with the style of play and with the type of person that Mullen is, I don't see him going to Florida. I mean, excuse me, going to Texas. Uh, and similarly, with Urban Meyer, you know, there's also <clears throat> the bigger picture of, of why, you know, and he's cited his health reasons and this and that for going into uh, and personal reasons for going into broadcasting. But he had his dream job. His dream job was Ohio State. He won a national title there. There were two dream jobs he had ever, and it was Notre Dame and Ohio State. And we know Notre Dame job isn't open. It's not available. I mean, right now they're sitting at number two in the nation. Uh, So, you know, it's not like, you know, their coach is sitting at a two and eight record and people are calling for, you know, his head or anything like that. So, you know, where where does Urban Meyer go from there? Does he want the stress of an NFL? I, I doubt it. I think he, he's right. a control person. Uh, and you can do that in a college atmosphere where, you know, you're kind of the god, the head coach is the god on campus. Even more so, more people know who the head coach, football coach is than they do, you know, the student, the, uh, the president of the university or the chancellor. And so, um, I, yeah, I think, I think he's content. I think he's set where he's set for a reason. Um, I, don't, I don't see him leaving TV, honestly. Similarly, again, just the type of person, just who Dan Mullen is, uh, and the type of play he, the ball he plays, I think he's well suited uh, for right there in that Central Florida area where he can recruit guys for his system. And you know, also, you know, Florida's always had success with a bunch of dudes in the state of Florida, but then filling them in from Louisiana, from Alabama, from Georgia, Virginia. Uh, you know, we hate to hate to bring up the guy from Connecticut because. Now it has a pretty bad taste in everybody's mouth. But at the time, you know, when he was a, an All-American uh, in high school and in college and, and wasn't attached to uh, homicides and things like that, you know, people thought it was such a good idea. But um, And New Jersey, you know, they've had several players from that area. So, um, yeah, I, I, for those I, I can't see, and, I, you know, I'm really not sure. Uh, I think Texas might do well to look at the uh, Iowa State coach. This guy's done really well. Um what could a guy like Van Gundy do? Now, I don't think he is well suited for Austin, Texas. I think he's better for uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, but, you know, there I think there are great coaches out there uh, that probably better fit what Texas is doing. Um, then again, you know, they're also a school that pulled the plug, I believe, on Charlie Strong too soon. Uh, they're impatient. Uh, they're not giving Herman a chance to build a program. Um, and I just think, you know, when the, you start flipping coaches every three to four years, you might sh- scare some dudes, you know, like a Mullen away because uh, they figure if they come in, you know, the first couple right. of years, you're cleaning up someone else's problem and not even getting your system well, for, really going. For me, I don't, I don't think that bringing Charlie Strong in was the right answer. I think Charlie Strong was, was not the right answer. Unfortunately, I feel bad 
for Strong because I've had multiple conversations with the guy in his days in South Carolina. Of course, he was down in Florida and a few other places. But here's what we got to do. We got to go to a quick break because we are heading to the capital city of Columbia, South Carolina, with the man with the plan. That's my good buddy, Stacy Huff. I get a chance to talk to him on Saturday mornings as he does his Facebook Live, how you doing session. But it was all him on Friday and Saturday. He was one of the many voices and faces that covered high school championship weekend with another one left to go. But we got a quick break. Bring him in. Talk it up right here on Southern Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. A little Bethune Cookman for you to bring the big man in. everybody i'm rich yellman and like that let's bring him in stacy huff joins us now all the way from columbia south carolina my brother what's going on stacy you had a great weekend you guys did a great job educating entertaining and keeping us up on what's happening around that uh, state championship weekend brother thank you for the kind words my good friend richie and i'm glad to be here with you man got to chop it up a little bit with you about those particular games that you're referencing this past weekend but once again always a pleasure to be on your show Man, it's an honor, man. I tell you what, you and I have uh, – we, we've been sharing some good conversations, but you posted something about three days ago, and I want to start off with this because the guy that does or did what, what, what we have a chance to do and talk sports is, is a very close friend of yours that you lost, of course. He was a fraternity brother of yours, Stuart Scott, of course, who, uh, you know, yep. you, you do a lot of stuff with the cancer and research and things like that. But uh, let's pay some homage to a man who I believe he introduced us to entertainment in sports radio. He was one of the best of the one-liners on ESPN. Of course, uh, you know, he's got some ties here to the state of South Carolina as well. Absolutely. Stuart Scott, you know, may rest in peace. And he was a fraternity brother of mine. I got to meet him a few times, hang out with him over the years. Uh, he was always a big participant in the Hooting the Blowfish money at the Masters. You know, a lot of people know some, don't know that I actually went to college with the guys from the band and actually worked for them for a few years back in the day. And I was always around those events. And once he realized I was in his fraternity, he, the, the link and bond was immediate. And he was the same old guy all the time and great personality, loyal family man. But, you know, he but, you know, went to the University of North Carolina, but he actually started his career working down in uh, in the Florence area, I do believe, or the Myrtle Beach. He was in the PD area in South Carolina. is one of the earliest stops in his career. I think later he went to Orlando and on and on and worked his way up to ESPN2, uh, one of the very first people on ESPN2. And they allowed him, to ESPN's credit, Richard, they allowed him to be himself and allowed him to bring his, uh, you know, culture and vernacular into the, onto the airwaves. And they let him, you know, let it breathe and let it develop. And they're, they're forever glad they did. And all of us are because it's, it's a whole new level of personality 
uh, and charisma graced the, the, the airwaves uh, when Stuart Scott rose to uh, rose to fame and fortune. Loud right now, hanging out with a good buddy does sports uh, right here on Southern Sports Central. As uh, we'll get that fixed. There we go. So, uh, of course, uh, Stacey Hub does a lot of great things around not only the Columbia area, but he covers the great state of South Carolina. And, and Stacey, you've been doing this uh, broadcasting thing before we talk about the games here tonight. Uh, you've been doing this for a long time. You don't just do the, the, the football. You do some basketball conversation as well. And, of course, you yeah, and I yeah. get to chalk it up with you on Saturday mornings on our Facebook top of the morning to you, man. I always look forward to that. That's usually how I start the day with hanging out with you and me and some of your closest buddies who I've – I've actually been able to friend a couple of those guys and make some new friends on Facebook, man. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's an offshoot of the ESPN radio show we did up here in Columbia for many years, and Wayne Everett, Tyler Cuff, and myself, and Wes Mitchell was part of that crew for a while. We had a who's who came through that show over the years, and, uh, you know, almost like a sports zoo, and a lot of great you know, things came out of that. But uh, it, so that when that show was no longer, they sold the station and uh, made, it, made it into a beach music station, of all things. Anyway, I took that audience and kind of took it to Facebook and um, had fun, had a lot of fun with it, and yeah, I do the game of the week with uh, Watch Fox up here with the uh, Friday Night Rivals. I do the basketball, same thing. We're going to roll out a, 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 a mini five-game schedule here coming up in January and February for basketball, and then, you know, we'll move toward the basketball championships. But I also get to work with the Bojangles Bash, uh, the Bo Bash, um, Chick-fil-A Classic, and things like that as well. So I try to do a lot. Man, this is, about, this is my 20 year. This month makes 20 years since I first cracked open a microphone uh, doing a sports mm. radio show here in Columbia. It was a WIS radio back in – um, December of 2000. So this is 20 years. I'm chasing you, bro. I got you. Got me beat by six years. I'm doing 14 right now, and I feel yes, old, of course, doing this because we've seen so many changes in our industry. And you know, I yes. love the young guys that come in here, man. They're like they're ready to take over the world and make a lot of money. And I'm like, all right, well, you might take over the air world and you might have a lot of fun, <laughs> but make a lot of money. If that's what you're looking to do, bro, you're doing it for the wrong reason. <laughs> Absolutely, got to do it for love, man. You know, me, you know, a lot of people don't know the story, Richard, but me and Emerson Phillips is one of the better play-by-play men that I've ever worked with. One of the great voices has been around South Carolina for years. He he was heard on the airwaves and uh, uh, you know, down in the PD area uh, for many years with a sports radio show. But he's done a lot of championship games with me and Rick. anyway. But me and Emerson did games for two years, uh, following Richard Northeast High School and Ridgeview and Spring Valley around for free. We got no money, we had no dollars, nothing. We take mm. the games on Friday night, Catalina Station, let us play them back on the airwaves on Saturday morning so we built up a little bit of following and got our name out there. And it was for the love of the game, man, and before we ever made a dollar. And then years later, of course, we started getting some, some contracts and some sponsorships and some folks wanted to pay us to do this stuff. But it was a, it was a passion, man, and, and it still is. It still is. Yeah, once it gets in your blood, I'm going to tell you guys, I've been doing, like I said, 14 years. I'm chasing a legend on the other end of this line with us here tonight. But, uh, you know, I love it, man. And I was almost looking – ahead if we didn't have the season of, of high school football. You know, I know we're talking about the athletes to go into winter but guys like you and me and a few others around yes. the country, not just here. Man, that's what we live for. We That's all I know is Friday night. I know where you can find me because I got a schedule that I'll follow from about August to sometime hoping. We're all hoping the second week of December. That usually means we're covering state championship games. But uh, when you saw the season kind of kick off, you and I have been talking a good bit about it, man. You know, and, and I tip my cap to, 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 to the commissioner and, and all of his crew up there in Columbia because they made it. They made it happen. We got one more game left, but yet we were not – we will not be denied that championship game either. I like it. It just adds another week of football for us. But uh, what a great Absolutely. job by the commissioner and the group of making it happen and not stopping it when everybody else was like, you know what, don't do it. And he said, we got to do this, not just 
for the game of football, but for the athletes and the opportunities that come with it with education. Absolutely. All of that is absolutely on point and true. And, you know, you're right. You, me, Commissioner Singleton, a lot of people, even some coaches I talked to off record, a lot of them didn't see this season coming to, a you know, an actual finish. And some schools, unfortunately, there's some schools, Westwood up here in Columbia only played four games. There's some, there's some stories in here where, you know, some people didn't get – but everybody got to touch the field. Everybody got to have some sort of a season, and that meant a lot to the seniors. meant a lot to, the, you know, the students who were disconnected. Otherwise, some of these schools, some of the students are only around each other uh, do sporting a, a, events and sporting activities and extracurricular activities. So those things are important if they can be done safely. So, yeah, hats off to the, the South Carolina High School League, hats off to the, the coaching staff. And, you know, mainly, Richie, the players and parents – who did all they could at mm. home to keep it going. Although there are some cases now, I don't know if you've seen the news. Some late cases are coming out out of this championship weekend that are, that are hitting the, the, the news. You know, the news pages now. Uh, some teams are quarantined coming out of this championship weekend, but no real sickness. A lot, a lot of sicknesses and a lot, a lot of um, you know, real serious uh, illnesses of, among our youth and players. So thus far, uh, we seem to have made it. Uh, the season was delayed, but not denied. Mm. Amen to that, brother. As Ray alive and Stacy up. Been doing this thing called Friday Night Lights for 20 years. 20 years makes them a pioneer in any industry that you're in. That usually gets you, a, if not a watch, a, a, some type of a, a ring here on Southern Sports <laughs> Central, man. And again, we appreciate all that you give. The hours that you give, I, I know firsthand. Everybody says, man, you know, Friday nights is a big night, man. You guys have to be drained. I'm like, man, Friday nights is the easy part. It's that That's Saturday through Thursday of doing our homework, right? Yep, the prep work, chasing down these coaches. Some of them don't want to be talked to. Some of them do. Um, chasing them down, uh, getting information, <laughs> checking stats, cross-checking, because sometimes the stats aren't right. Um, you know, right. checking the records and how they got here with the prior games. And, you know, and I try to dig deep, man. I try to find out where every coach was born and raised, where they played high school and college ball. I was trying to find mm-hmm. out if they have any teammates that are in the coaching ranks, you know, and, you know, who they might have crossed, you know, passed with that may have achieved greatness. Like, Mark, like, like a lot of people don't know, you know, Coach Ramp at Camden, that just unfortunately lost their 3A championship game to Daniel, who we'll talk about in a moment. You know, he played five years in the right. NFL with Ray Lewis. Imagine the stories this guy has, and we have some great conversations, you know, off off air. He has some great Ray Lewis stories, and Tyler Cup even hit me up the fact he has some uh, Deion Sanders, Sanders story when Deion was with Baltimore, and I never got to hear that one, but I'll, I bet y'all next time I tell the coach, Ramp, I got to get the Deion <laughs> Sanders story, so I got the Ray Lewis story. <laughs> yeah. There, and there's a lot of coaches around that have played in the NFL, who coach in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you look at Allman over there, you know, that's on the, the right upper side of the state of South Carolina doing his thing. Uh, coach Holloman, right, doing his thing. And, and Jordan, you yeah, know, he's played in the NFL. He played for the Gamecocks. You know, he's done his thing. And yeah, yeah. another great guy as well. But now, you, you, you did a good segue for me there, talking about coaches who, who like to coach but don't like to interview quite as much. They're not quite the media guy, but once you get them, they're pretty right. funny and entertaining. And that, of course, cool. is a guy who just now holds a state record five in a row in 5A football. He won 28-6 to six against T.L. Hannah Dutch Sports, did what exactly you and me and everybody else that covers high school football knew it was going to be done, even though T.L. Hannah hit a, a nice little hot spot there coming into this game. But, man, tell me your thoughts on a game like Dutch Sports. You saw them getting called out by T.L. Hannah. You and Eugene and myself were like, oh, that was definitely not the best way you want to go into a game. But, again, right. you still got to play the game. What's your thoughts from uh, Coach Knox and those uh, those boys from Dutch Sport, man? They just can't be denied championship after championship. Absolutely. Quick story on that. That's funny because when Coach Tom Knox got here, you know, I sought him out and, 
You know, they, people don't realize before this five team, they, they were one and one. You know, they beat Sumter, uh, because Reggie Kennedy, who's a good buddy of mine, and uh, you know, later went to Irmo and is now in Manning. But uh, they, they went, they were one and one. They beat Sumter, and then they lost to Hillcrest. The last time they lost the championship game, I actually broadcast that game. Hillcrest came down from the Greenville area and beat Tom. Now, so anyway, back in those days, I had a cell number uh, somewhere between those that one and one, and then this five peak. Some kind of way, I don't have his number anymore, and I can't, can't really get him to the phone. Now, when I see him in person, great guy to talk to. But on to the game. So what happened uh, with the calling out? T.L. Hanna was a very physical style of play. Um, they beat a good Ridgeview team. They beat some, you know, beat some good teams to get to where they were, and they felt really um, confident in their ability. Uh, I'm not sure what, even with all that being said, Richie, I don't know what made them think going, um, trying to go viral with a video calling out Dutch Fork was the answer. It, you know, they scored the first touchdown the first time they touched the football and uh, didn't get the extra point, and that's the last time they sniffed the end zone. I don't think they were in uh, within the 20 anymore after that. The rest of the ball game, it was Dutch Fork 28-6. And without the driving rain, I know for a fact Coach Tom Knox had some tricks in the playbook. They were going to try to light that thing up in the second half and really make a statement with the point differential. But the rain uh, was coming down sideways, literally. And uh, I think he decided, just you know what, let me just take this fifth trophy and get on to the house. But um, they were dominant on the line of scrimmage, both on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Will Taylor did, did it with his arm and his leg. The, 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 the sophomore – Tailback, who I think is going to be a force the next two years. Um, you know, the, the green, the Jarvis Green kid, and of course, those wide receivers, Antonio Williams and, uh, you know, the, the, other, the other two kids. Devin Hyde, unfortunately, caught a deep pass and got hurt early in the ballgame, never returned, dislocated his shoulder. Um, you know, but, but, you know, but those guys they, they did very well. Elijah Spencer, who's going to UNC Charlotte, they, they just, it was too much. They were guys open on every play, Richie. Yeah, I tell you what, they look very good. I had a chance to watch it. I'm sitting there going, man, this is, so reminiscent of so many games that I've been fortunately been on the other end of it covering with Somerville. And of course I was there when they came down to Fort Dorchester last year where they caught fire and well, the rest of it's in the history book. Now that game was what we thought it was, but here's the game. And I know you didn't get to see much of it, if any of it at all, but I know you and I read a, a lot of covers after the book is of course written. And that one was in one a with the Southside Christian and Lakeview. Now Lakeview's in Dillon County. You and I know a guy in Dillon County pretty well. He coaches, the Dillon Wildcats, but yet you can't yes, be, not believe that Lakeview is not going to have something in the tank over there. It's Dillon County. It's all part of the same area. Yep. But, however, Southside Christian, where they come <laughs> from? Who are they? And to win 46-6 in the championship game, man, Stacey, it don't even seem right. Exactly. Good point, man. I'm going to say Brandon Bennett is still the coach up there, correct? Um, I believe so. Yeah, Brandon Bennett was coach. You know, and both his sons were on the team and, you know, the oldest son is at Coastal now and scored at least eight touchdowns I saw a highlight of at, at Coastal. I think the youngest son might still be there. The youngest one is probably faster than the older one. But, yeah, I didn't get to see a lot of that game, but I knew they came in dominant. I have a, another close friend of a brother who's a Derek Sullivan, um, who was a head coach up in uh, at uh, uh, J.O. Mann for a few years. He's actually on that staff now. And he kind of gave me some heads up. They would come down, and they really felt confident about their chance to win the game. And sure enough, next time I heard from him, when he was on Facebook posting the score, 46 to 6. So he definitely had reason to be that confident. And Southside Christian's building something nice up there, man. Man, they are indeed. Talking about building something nice, let's move to the next game, 3-8. Now, this one, of course, uh, we're going to have some of the dogs uh, from uh, 1A, 3A, 4A, and 5A, 5A joining us at the uh, the 8 o'clock hour for our, of course, championship final segment. But uh, you look at a team like Daniel. Man, I, I tell you, I had gone against Camden all year long. Stacey, I decided that I was getting on that lane train and that great quarterback, that one-two punch, which it ended up being the other gentleman. I think number seven 
for Camden that actually ended up scoring a little more than uh, Lane because they were able to slow him down just a little bit. But on the other side, it was Daniel putting yeah. points on the board with this quarterback and running back and wide receiver putting a clinic on, winning 52-31 for that 3A state championship. Yeah, I was very impressed. I got to call that game with Tyler Cup, and, and and it was actually Leroy Bracy Jr. He wears number four. He's a senior. He's a uh, he's a senior. Yeah. But here's the thing: he came into the program October of last year, kind of mid-season. They had to work him in, and they just really realized what kind of talent he was. Willis Lane was, a, it was Mr. Football finalist. Uh, unfortunately, didn't win that award. They announced at the halftime of our game. I threw you a game on TV, and um, you know, and then we took your man from Gaffney. But 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 Willis Lane, you know, led the state in rushing with twenty over twenty three hundred yards last year. But they knew they had something embraced. They knew they have a two-headed monster. So when we did – me and Mike Uber did the, um, the their first-round playoff victory over Brooklyn Casey a few weeks ago, and Bracey was very electric in that game as well. He's the outside threat, arguably the fastest player on the Camden Bulldog team. And here's the thing, Richie. Leroy Bracey Jr. is a second-generation Camden Bulldog, and his dad was on that last team to win a championship in 2001. So he was trying to get a ring to match his dad around the house, and he just fell short. And I'll tell you why they fell short, because of a young man by the name of Shrimp. Pyramid. His dad's the tight end coach at Clemson, a junior quarterback, Trent Pyramid. I didn't really know much about him coming into the ball game, but what we love about high school sports, Richie, is we, we come into games thinking one thing, and it's, it's who we leave the game talking about <laughs> that really just when stars are born and what's great about these young kids, how they develop. Trent Pyramid dropped the ball in the bucket all game long, threw for over 400 yards, broke tackles, scrambled around the pocket, could run the ball. He's a junior. He's a prospect. And he throws the ball about as well as any high school player I've seen in the last couple of years. Now, he threw a lot, too, if I'm not mistaken, to Jackson Crosby, who's the uh, guy that's going to be joining us uh, later in the show tonight. Yes. Uh, did yes. he catch, I yes. believe, two touchdowns over that game? And, by the way, I did hear you guys talking about he was trying to get a ring for the uh, Christmas uh, uh, dinner so they could be sharing each other's rings between <laughs> yeah. the dad and the son over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you actually, yeah, and actually the first – uh, one of the first uh, – two of the first three touchdowns of the game was Jackson Crosby. I think he had a third one in the second half. It was hard to keep up with, to be honest with you. I don't have stats in front of me. It was, sure. it was dizzying the way they were lighting up the score. But Crosby had – I believe he had three touchdowns in the game, one of the first two touchdowns of the ball game. The other young man, Eli Merck, who was a talented sophomore, a name to remember, Eli Merck, the book of Eli, was cracked open on our airways Saturday, and we still be a good read for the next two years. He's only a 10th grader, and he stayed behind – the Camden Bulldogs secondary, as did Jackson Crosby. I think he's going to have a good time talking to Jackson Crosby and from his vantage point to see, you know, how they exploited Camden's secondary and how he and, and, and Pierman, uh helped to electrify the crowd and light up that scoreboard. It was like pinball machine numbers there for a minute uh, in that ball game for Daniel. Yeah, we're actually going to be catching up. Uh, the start hour, number three, will be uh, Shimon Price, that big, huge offensive uh, I believe left tackle uh, on the offensive line there. And then Jackson Crosby is going to join us. And also to the next game we go, where we will talk to Eric Rice. Uh, Eric, I believe it's Eric Rice will join us. He's the wide receiver. Another young man that had a big game as they win 42 to seven, man, I thought really, and I was at that North Myrtle beach, Myrtle beach game a couple of weeks ago. And I saw that entire front line of the defense of uh, North Myrtle beach, the chiefs. And I thought for a second, maybe they look, you know, the team they were going to go against, on film looked very similar to Myrtle Beach. I thought if you can contain what they needed to on the inside and make everybody run inside, that was kind of the game plan. But tell me, man, what happened? Is that quarterback legit? I know Perry Orris is quarterback coach or has been yeah. working with him a lot over there. But what about AC Floor that, again, nobody seemed to could stop them this year. They won 42-7 in that 4A state championship. 
It's interesting you bring up the name Perry Orr. The day we met, Richie, you and I met finally in person after talking yeah. on the phone and social media. And all. We met at the Infinity Camp up here at Ben Lippin, as a matter of fact, um, you know, up here in Northeast Columbia. And when I was leaving that event, I was walking to my car, and I was stopped by Perry Orr. And I've been knowing Perry. You know, a lot of people don't know uh, Quiet is Kept. Last year when Mason Zandy and I did those uh, games on Watch Fox, uh, Perry Orth was in a conversation to be my broadcast partner that year as well. And he, he, he wanted to coach at AC Floor, and he gave us the name of Mason Zandy, uh, who ended up, who's down in your area now, but who ended up being a, a great broadcast partner for me. Mason, if he wanted to do this, could really go far with it. Very bright mind, and very, he was very good on TV. But Perry Orth and Mason are very tight. So anyway, me and Perry are cool. So Perry stopped me in the way of my car and said, Huff, listen, we are going to play for a state championship this year. Probably going to win it. Perry Orth told me that. Now, you know, what was that, July? <laughs> And he, July, said, he, said, yep. we got, he got the quarterback. Yeah, he said we got the quarterback Beamish. We already had a good tight end. We got a good line. We got three, four good tailbacks. We got a, a fast defense. I said he started talking, and really he said it with so much force, uh, Richard. That it made me think. So I went back and thought about saying, you know, Ridgeview goes up to five A, Wren and Daniel go down to three A. Uh, you know, AC Floor bringing back a loaded team. Coach Curtis in the second year of the program, it, it's lining up for it. And then we did their game. Um, um, I remember me and Mike Uva again. Me, we did their game against Westwood. And I saw him in person. I saw those 40 boys on the defensive line. And I saw Eric Rice, who's, by the way, his dad, Mike Rice, is a buddy of mine, played basketball at Allen University back in the day. Mike's a real good dude. And, I, I, you know, because I live in Columbia, a lot of those parents on the AC4 team are friends of mine. So I've been hearing about, you know, how, you know, optimistic they were from a lot of people. But Eric Rice, is, a, you know, his dad was an outstanding athlete as well. And I saw Eric's work. Eric's also on the basketball team on the AC floor. And I saw, I said, now they got the speed down the outside along with the tight end. This is going to be special. The, the Lofton kid who's also in the basketball team. Anyway, I saw all this, and I said, you know what? They are going to win it. After I saw them, and this is the, this is the first game of the, of the high school league uh, schedule. That was, that was September 25th. And September 25th, wow. I saw EC4, and I was like, they're going to win the 4A championship. And, um, and, and here we are. They just they dominated. Even when they were down early in the ball game, um, after a fumble, they fumbled the first play from scrimmage. And after that, I, was up, I drove from spring, my game in Spring Valley when we did a three. I drove over to Benedict Stadium. And I walked in there, and they were just about to kick off. And after that happened, people in the press box, like, you know, saying whatever. And I said, you know what? I said, I bet AC4 wins this game by at least three touchdowns. Because I said, I don't think they're going to – they may not punt. After that fumble, they may not punt. I don't know if they punted after that. Hmm. It didn't like they did much for score after that. I said 42 to 7. Whatever the call was, whatever the play was, it, it worked every single time. And uh, the defense yeah. for however. And I give – look, I give the offense all the credit in the world, but I give whoever coached that offensive line. To be able to stop that front line of that defense by towards so many names that you and I know very well that are very good at what they do, that to me, game ball goes to that whole front five or four, whoever it is on that front line up there on the offensive line. What a great job uh, that they did. Now, let me ask you this because I do want to ask you real quick about the um, the hire in Columbia today. Of course, you and me and a few of us are all Gamecocks here uh, as together, but you know, when you look yeah. at the basketball season, now I'm over there doing the voice and the radio, excuse me, the TV for Fort Dorchester on, uh, on Tuesdays and Fridays when they're home because uh, we're locked our gyms, right? The only people that can be there are the referees, the players, the, you know, anybody who is holding a position that they are working, right? Nobody can come in. Once you're in, you're locked in type of thing as, as far as containment-wise. Now, you can get out, of course, the, the doors aren't locked, but – that being said, you're seeing a lot of numbers, man, starting to climb up in certain areas. I, I, I am worried that, like you mentioned, about a few schools have just played the state championship. Now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, you're getting some, 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 some guys coming back with some numbers. 
are you are you thinking that maybe the high school league this is going to draw of course a red flag going into the winter season about what did we know what didn't we know and then of course you got wrestling man if wrestling makes me the most nervous out of any sport that can shut us all down yeah high contact sport wrestling people don't talk about it enough that's probably the most contact sport skin to skin that we that we have and um, right. good point. But, yeah, I, I think exactly what's called the red flag. And, Richie, on that Facebook live show, you know, people thought I was being cynical, but I told people, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, um, I, I call a name. Um, I, I, you know, I said that football had a, had a potential to screw it up for basketball. And um, I sure. remember uh, Deion Bethea, and there are lots of around the state, you know, Deion Bethea, great collegiate, has won, you know, multiple championships and becoming a legend in his own right in, in, around the sport. He called me. You know, he's my neighbor. He lives, I could throw a rock to his house. Yeah, I've been knowing Deion for many years. But, and, uh, but he called me after one of those Facebook lives when I went off on a, you know, on a, on a, a, I guess a, a tirade. And he was like, what do you think about basketball? We won't have anything like a real season. I said, and I, I, can't, I won't use the language I use it now, but I said, football could screw this up. I said, not yeah. on purpose, not intentionally. But people, we're so determined to have football that the numbers and things, I, we don't know if they're going to be accurate. We don't know. But we're going to rush to get through football. And then after that, we're going to sit back and look back and say, you know what? Now we might have to pause. And, and look at basketball, and basketball is going to be, I think, greatly diminished. I know two teams right here in the Midlands right now, both are ranked teams. Uh, both, well, one is a ranked team, and one is a, uh, has a highly ranked player quarantined right now. So right now, I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything, but there's two teams right here in the Midlands who cannot, mm-hmm. um, cannot do anything for, for, for a minute. And, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and I don't want to open, that open up speculation. Check your social media, check your news. It, it, it's all coming out. Um, but, but, I mean, I'm worried about that because a lot of you know a lot of players play football and basketball, so sure. um, you know that that part as well. But yeah, I think I think there's some red flags going to be dropped immediately, and that's going to affect some of these uh, probably some of these holiday tournaments, and definitely the start of region play. Where I think they're trying to start region play the first of January. We're going to see how that's affected coming up here. Yeah, because I know the the region for Region Seven uh, begins in January, and the Round Ball Classic I was told today is not going to take place. That's one of the big tournaments down here in Charleston. I know the Beach Ball Classic is still, as I've heard, still being played. One of the legendary tournaments up there on the Grand Strand that has had a lot of big names that have played in the NFL it. currently playing the NFL come in there. So we'll wait yeah, to see. Absolutely. But for me, it's 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 wrestling that that to me is on the clock more than any other sport. And again, You're right. I, I I show my tip of the cap to Coach. And, and to anybody else across the state that's trying to make this happen, and definitely to, to the commissioner and his group, but I know they're basically going to have to buy more mop heads than water bottles because they're going to have to wipe down mats on a regular basis. They'll start on mat one, then they'll go to mat Absolutely. two, then back to mat one. That's, that's a lot, yep. and it's worth it. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong, but it's worth it. Now, final thing before I get you out of here, let's talk about that hire. Shane Beamer, I love the hire. I loved it about a month ago before – you know, yep. they started talking about losing the coach. Will Muschamp, great guy, by the way. Coach, I appreciate everything you did, every opportunity you gave to talk to me or my son or anybody that crossed you. You're, you're a five-star dude, that's for sure. I hate the way it ended, but I'm excited to see the guy that's going to come in and, and take over the program from here. Absolutely. I'm agree. I agree with every word you just said because Muschamp, a, a good fella. I was all around him a couple times, a good fella. And one time I was around him, I actually took a picture with him. That's just one of those things, him, me, him, Coach Bentley. But, but, but yeah, it, it, was t- it was time to make a move. I think it was a justified move. And I'm, a beam, I'm on the Beamer train. I'm on the Shane train, a USC alum. And, and, a lot, and the fact that a lot of those older Gamecock players are, are on board with him, some people maybe poo-poo that notion. But here's why it's so important, Richie. You'll definitely connect with this because of what you do as well. But a lot of that generation of Gamecock players, the Marcus Lattimore's and, you know, and, and, and the players in the NFL notwithstanding, a lot of those guys are not necessarily – 
big names and famous, but a lot of them are coaching high school sports right now. So a lot of those mm-hmm. guys are coaching around the South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and even Florida, Florida area. Look up some of those rounds. Those guys are heavily in high school football coaching, and they're going to send their kids to play for Coach Beamer. I mean, that's just a wrap. I mean, they're going to send their kids to play with this guy because they know him. He, he doesn't have to sell anything about himself to them. A lot of these players from that 2010, you know, 08, 09, 2010 Gamecock team that Spurrier had really doing good things, they're going to send their players to Beamer. That's a big culture shift right there, and we got inroads to make as a, as a, as a you know, as a fan base. Uh, way behind the team upstate, up way behind. That's that's not even worried about right now. Got to get back to eight, nine, right. ten wins being normal, and I think Coach Beamer might be the right guy for that. I do too. Now let's talk about another coach that's doing big things. Jamie Chadwell picked up a big win after the yeah. news came out that they would not yeah. be playing Liberty, which I hated because a guy that played football over in Somerville that I covered him since he was in eighth grade, Jonathan Bennett, was going to get the start because their quarterback had been quarantined. That one was red flag. They bring in a team from across the country, ranked eighth in the country, moved the game back a little bit, but that didn't slow down the shot and clears. Is they picked up a big win, finished the regular season undefeated. They only went up a couple of slots. I don't understand that. But your thoughts on, uh, of course, Coastal Carolina, do they deserve a New Year's Day ball in your opinion? Yeah, I think they do. I think they finish out uh, undefeated. They do. And first thing I want to say, um, let, let's give some props to BYU for taking that game. I know they took it, uh, right. assuming the win, which you should do. But I appreciate them coming across the country, make, saving the thing because, you know, game day was at stake and a lot was going on, a lot of momentum. And win or lose a draw, Coastal was going to be a winner on Saturday, in my opinion. But they came down and Coastal really acquitted themselves well. They're afraid of no one. They backed down from no one. And the shots are the team that the nation is talking about. And the reason they probably didn't move up, Richie, is probably to avoid controversy. I think the reason they didn't move up as far as you and I think they probably should have I think the, the you know the, the, the powers that be are, are trying to avoid, avoid whether consciously or subconsciously trying to avoid the controversy of what if coastal creeps up a little too high, then what? Mm. <laughs> Think about that. You know yeah, what I say, brother? Hey, hey, that's that's a good point because my thing is this, Stacey, is we're live by the way with a man that's been doing this for twenty years, covering Friday nights, Saturday afternoons, you name it, he's covered it. For, of course, not only watch Fox, but you can watch him on Friday nights over there. He does it on multiple avenues around the state of South Carolina. And he'll come to your state if you need him. And that's, of course, Stacey Huff. But, you know, Stacey, to me, I, I'm still that guy. I appreciate four better than two. It's always better than two. I get that. But I like eight, yep. man. I, I think that this is a reason for that season. That I like ten, by the way. Ten's kind of my magic number. Even ESPN has a not top ten. That's how important the number ten is to people around the world. But for me, I I think this is a perfect scenario of why we should have 10 teams. If not any year, but this year, let's just do it this year. It's 2020. Why not? And and, and I agree with you all the way. It it would be the right thing to do, but it'd be, I think they're trying to avoid messiness. It's already a messy year. Sure. I think it would, again, it might work too well. And then they, then it won't be just this year. If you do it this year, it looks too too good. The people making the argument all these years that it should have been eight from the beginning, are going to, are going to say, we got to go better. We got to make it past four. And really, to be honest with you, the money is already in for the next two years for the four, the four playoff team right. model. And uh, they got to sell it. Remember, everything's about what you can sell. Ain't what you can do is what you can sell. And um, they got to get that money. If they're gonna go to that, they got to have the money in place to get the biggest and best sponsors and to make it, you know, the real Super Bowl tournament that they wanted to be. And I think eventually it's gonna go that way. But they got to take time to put all get where all the the most money can be maximized is when they'll make the move. We do know when money drives this whole horse mm. and wagon. Amen to that old money talks and something else walks, my friend. As Nino always. Brown, Nino Brown said it in uh, <laughs> in, 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 back in back in the day, right? In New Jack City. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stacey, I, I am going to connect with you because we got some stuff coming up I want to get you involved in here in the next couple of weeks and then in about a month, well, a little less than a month here down in Charleston with some football, some high school, and some big things that I know you, of course, right up your alley as well, brother. How do these people find you? How do they follow you? How do they keep up with you as you are one of the best gurus in the business of not only high school but just sports in general talk, my friend? Thank you, my guy. I appreciate you. I'm on Facebook under my name, Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y. H-O-U-G-H. Uh, going into 2020, I may turn this thing into a YouTube deal or another podcast that I had, like I had some years ago. But right now, it's easy. Everything is free and easy on Facebook, S-T-A-C-E-Y-H-O-U-G-H. I'm on Twitter at Huffster Sports. At Huffster Sports is H-U-F-F-S-T-E-R Sports. At Huffster Sports, easy to find, easy to follow. I pretty much follow everybody back. Um, you know, if it gets out of hand and, you know, anything too racial or political or, you know, bad language and all that, I can get you up out of there real quick. But other than that, just keep it fun and sports, and we can have a good time. It's all good. Hey, brother, I appreciate you. I'm going to say it all on the air, but I'm going to talk to you before then. But Merry Christmas to you, your family. I appreciate you more than you ever hear from me. I need to hear from I need to do it more. But uh, thanks for hanging out with me for 30 minutes tonight, talking some good sports around the great state of South Carolina, buddy. Merry Christmas to you as well, my guy. Thank you very much for having to you and your family as well. You have a wonderful family. Keep taking care of them, man. And I appreciate everything you do as well. And let's chop it up off air whenever you're ready, okay? You got it, buddy. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, right. from uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Well, we're going to head somewhere else. We're going to take the bus. We're going to head up to, well, Charlotte, North Carolina. It's 7 o'clock, a little after, if you will. So that means it's time for Reginald Walker Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere right out of this. He'll be joining us. Welcome back, everybody, and without further ado, I want to welcome in in style, that is the one and only Reginald Walker, Jr., ladies and gentlemen. What's up, Big Reggie? I'm here, I'm here. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? <laughs> I knew you were there. I, don't know I, was what you. I figured you were... You were rolling around in the old car. You're putting it down and ready to hang out with us here on the beautiful Monday night. Of course, uh, how, how was the weather up in uh, in the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina tonight, my man? Well, guys, uh, in the words of some great friends that I have from the great city of New York, it is brick, a.k.a. cold. <laughs> down in the it's 40s weird, right man. now. Uh, you need you might need a toll bargain, if you will, 
<laughs> and a sweater at least. It, it's pretty chilly up here, but you know, it, it can't be any cooler here than it might be in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, as the uh, the temperature on the old bayou got real cold and devoid of wind. Mm. Well, there's a spot somewhere in the bayou, maybe down in the valley, that's probably not as cold as he would like it to be right now, and that's the seat of a guy who uh, won a national championship last year, and this year he's just looking to win a game or two, and that's Ed Orgeron. Let's talk about it, man. Let's get into the hot seats around the country of college football. We're live right now with one of the legendary guys here, part of that Southern Sports Central twist and turn and burn on a Monday night. That is Reginald Walker, Jr. You know, he played right, of course, on Power 5 level of football for the man that we know as Joe Pye. He played over at Penn State, currently is in the Charlotte area on multiple avenues, covering multiple teams and doing multiple things. And right here on 7 o'clock show, he can – Bring it down with us as good as anybody. Now, hot seat is definitely a good conversation. One seat that's not hot any longer is in Columbia. We'll talk about Shane Beamer in just a little bit. I know you've got some insights and some opinions on his hire. But Virginia Tech, where his father was a guy, I would say, pioneer building that program, that seat's on fire. And there's a handful of other seats, if you will, from Texas and across the country that's burning like, uh, like a ball of fire, as you remember an old song back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think the one, you know, you, the one I really think is interesting is Texas. Um, and the main reason why I say that is because of what came out this morning or late last night uh, about the fact that essentially it seems like at least there were some back channels trying to get in touch with Urban Meyer. I guess he's come out and uh, maybe via back channels responded and said he's not interested in coaching again. And the thing I think is interesting about that. Um, and if I'm if if I'm anybody involved with Texas, uh, look, I've I've said what I've thought long thought about that program and and how their expectations are through the roof and 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 just because you have a bunch of money uh, doesn't mean you should win a bunch of titles all the time. Everybody's got to be uh, all in. You've got nine regions down there that like to meddle college football in the Texas football business, and my biggest issue with that is. Tom Herman, I'm not going to call him his mentor, but a guy that Tom Herman respects and worked for is Urban Meyer. And you're going to go to Urban Meyer and try to talk to him about taking that job before you even fire Tom Herman? If you're any coach worth of you-know-what, there is no way you take that Texas job. I mean, that to me right there is the epitome of disrespect, the epitome of dysfunction, and the epitome of the reason why that program is what it is since Mac Brown and Vince Young won a national championship about 15 years ago, that's the reason why they've become an also-ran, because of those types of people and that type of mindset. How are you going to go to Tom Herman again, his pseudo-mentor in Urban Meyer, about the job that Tom Herman still holds? That's unacceptable. Yeah, I agree with you. But that's football. It's business. I mean, we, we've taken off the what's right, what's wrong. We do what we feel is right, right? We're, we're, that's the generation. That's the times that we're in right now. There's not a whole lot of, uh, of gentlemen's agreement, if you will, if, if you ask me. So, so for me, I'm not surprised. Texas has, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, I still feel, you know, pain in my heart 
for a guy that took that job that should still be coaching the Louisville, maybe if we even won some other things other than a, a, a conference championship or that division side of things, and that was Charlie Strong. You know, when Charlie Strong took I that agree. chance, boy, did he ever take a chance. He should have stayed in Louisville because I think he would have won multiple games and possibly bigger things there. But now, where is he, in Alabama? I mean, he's not even really on a map. When I thought he's if not one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, definitely in his time. But now he's kind of fallen in the cracks of who is he, where is he, and how do we find him? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at him, I feel like they didn't give him enough time to build it at Texas. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, you could argue the same thing for Tom Herman. And I agree with that. I think to fire Tom Herman basically because they feel like, well, you had one recruiting class come through and you didn't win a Big 12 title. Uh, I mean, I don't know. And, and, and that's one of the things I tweeted earlier is be careful if you're a program that's winning consistently, and to me consistently is eight-plus wins a year, right? Because that's – on a general 12-game schedule, that's, that's two-thirds of your games you're winning. If you're consistently doing that, you better be careful firing a coach, saying that coach can't take you to the next level, and then going backwards because that's what could happen here. And so Texas, I think they need to understand where they came from uh, when they grabbed Tom Herman. And, again, I still think Charlie Strong should have gotten longer. You know, and I look at several situations like that. Uh, You look Mm -hmm. at – and I know there were some things that came out later, and I know I'm taking it way west here, but there were some things that came out later about what was going on at Kansas with Mark Mangino. This is a guy that had Kansas – guys, I'm going to say Kansas was in the Orange Bowl. Kansas was in the Orange Bowl, and they ran him out of there. Now, again, apparently there are some things that happened. Mike Leach at Texas Tech, there are some things that happened. Craig James' son with the closet or the, 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 the shed or whatever. I get all those things, and those are reasons to move on from people. But my point is Kansas turned around. Now they have less miles later, and they are atrocious again. And so, to me, some of these presidents and athletic departments to understand when you're in a good situation. Uh, apparently, Texas is looking at these are again these are rumors, kind of things out there. It's been reported. I don't know how legit it is that they're looking at a guy like James Franklin. Now, look, you know, James Franklin has won a Big Ten championship at Penn State. Uh, he's had a pretty good run there. Uh, there are some people in, in Happy Valley that are complaining. I'm not one of them. Uh, but with that being said, I'm frustrated with this year, but I'm not one of those that thinks he needs to lose his job. Now, those same people that think he does probably need to lose his job at Penn State are saying, why would he leave and go to Texas? My answer, people like you that are complaining about the job he's doing. And mm. so I say all that to say to bring it back to South Carolina, right, where, where you are, bring it back to the Carolinas, Shane Beamer, you know, uh, you, you look at what's happening at Coastal Carolina. This is a coach. Guys, remember, Coastal Carolina, the previous two years, what they went, what they go four and uh, four and, and 16 or something like that. Right. Or, 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 or over the last two years. And now this year they're sitting there at 10 and 0, 9 and 0, 10 and 0. So, and just had game day there and just had BYU come to town on a last minute scheduling and they get the win. Patience is important, and, and I think that's important to remember, and I hope the folks down at South Carolina exercise the same patience 
with Shane Beamer as the folks at Virginia Tech did with his father, Frank. Yeah, I I agree with you. And he mentioned today, and I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. Number one, you know, Shane mentioned his father is going to be around the program, and that's big. I don't care what anybody says. He, to me, is the godfather of Virginia Tech Hokie football. He invented that lunch pail that you see on the sideline. He invented the inner Sandman, I think, that they play there at that stadium. There's so many traditions that I connect him with there. Now, your thoughts on, on who would you, who do you think that he brings in to coach with him? It's already been said. It looks like the defensive coordinator is not going to be retained for multiple reasons. I won't indulge on the air. But also, I want to give you time to talk about him going back and finishing the job that he told the kids at South Carolina. I'm going back for the last two weeks because I'm a man of my word, and I'm going to finish what I started, and in two weeks I'm going to be here. But because of COVID, I can recruit just like I can here. I can do it over here on the same frame, and I'm pretty sure his head coach over there at Oklahoma expects him to give 80, maybe 70%, cause, or maybe even 60%, because he knows he's going to put 30 or 40 in the tank for the Gamecocks trying to get these kids to readjust some of those who left at the last minute when Will Muschamp decided not to well, – when they decided not to keep Will Muschamp, you know, uh, he wants to get some of those kids back. And let's be honest, he's got some other kids that I'm sure he's been talking to since he was uh, doing his thing over at Oklahoma too, right? Absolutely. And I, I think when you, when you talk about who he can bring in, I think the first thing you've got to look at is where does he want to recruit? That's number one. Um, and there are so many places you can look. But, guys, I'm going to hit you with a couple of names because we've talked about where they want to recruit in South Carolina. And the first thing you better do is win your state. We know that. And so whether it's some former players that are in the coaching now, whether you turn a former player into a coach, uh, those are all options. But one of the places I would look to make sure I have inroads in the state of Florida One guy we mentioned earlier and another guy I'm going to mention now are two possible names, Charlie Strong and Randy Shannon. Mm -hmm. You can look at one of those guys to add to that staff, and all of a sudden you've got inroads in the state of Florida. You've got great defensive minds as a part of that staff as well, regardless of if you need to bring them in as coordinators. Now, I think Randy – I know Randy's the coordinator at UCF. So to pull him out of UCF, you're going to need to make him a coordinator or associate head coach slash whatever. That's a possibility to me that I think is worth exploring. Uh, Obviously, we mentioned a guy like Charlie Strong as well. And so when you look around, you know, those are a couple of names that I think are important. Then you've got to find some young energy as well. One of the places I would look is somebody that Shane probably is familiar with that is daddy coached. Eddie Whitley, he's up at James Madison coaching defensive backs. He's from Charlotte, played at Butler High School, I believe. He's another guy I would look at to add to that staff. He's young. He's vibrant. He's got contacts, connections, and name recognition all over the place within about 200 miles of that campus. That's another name I'm looking for as well to add to my defensive staff. So when you, when you put together uh, that staff, if I'm Shane Beamer, those are some of the names I'm looking at. And then you're looking at other guys that were a part of staffs at Virginia Tech when they were making inroads to the Tidewater, Virginia area to really recruit kids. 
It's a quick drive down 95 to get to Columbia for some of those kids. That's another option to look at as well. I love it. And as we're live right now, Reginald Walker Jr. always here on Monday night. 7 o'clock is his go time. We get him for 30 solid minutes each and every Monday night. Of course, he played for Joe Pa over there with the Nittany Lions. Penn State was his home for quite some time, and he's a big guy in the Big Ten. He also does a lot of things now currently in Charlotte where he covers a couple of different college programs from the TV screen to the radio broadcast booth and does, of course, some other things in and around the country as he does it right here as part of the Southern Sports Central family. Now, Reggie, I do want to get you off the air in a couple of uh, days or so because I want to get you to Columbia on the 20th. We're doing a a South Carolina uh, high school blitz slash Southern Sports Central game with the juniors, and then we're going to bring the seniors down to Charleston on the 2nd, and that's going to be the upstate versus the lower state. It'll be the only all-star game being held here in the state of South Carolina. I want to get you involved in that. I think you could come down and, and put some energy into it on different levels. We'll do that. Uh, sometime off the air. Now, let me ask you this. When you look at everything overall, college football, we've got another week under our belt. The Big Ten, boy, I tell you, it's got a lot of mess going on. There's some other conferences that seem to have some messes, but the SEC, the ACC seems to be on slate to, to do what they need to do. But tell me about that Big Ten, man. The conversations about maybe or maybe not you get even the best team in that championship game, and that is the Ohio State Buckeyes. And what the heck is going on in Michigan Man, could COVID save a coach? They said it was going to save Muschamp. It sure didn't do that. Does it save a coach out of Michigan with all the turmoil that's going on in that conference? Well, two things. It seems like, at least as reported right before I got on here, I saw uh, there's a report that Michigan is good to go to play this weekend. I think that's important. The conference needs that game. The Buckeyes need that game. And if Michigan can't play, I guarantee you, they'll find somebody to show up and play the Buckeyes because the Buckeyes need that game. Uh, if they're going to get in the Big Ten championship and, and, and potentially into that college football playoff because the conference wants that playoff money. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, and, right. and to add to that, there's some talk I'm hearing in, in the state of Michigan that Harbaugh may be in line to get an extension. To me, that would be the administration <laughs> doubling down on, we are not going to bail on this guy. And look, I, in some ways, I understand Michigan fans wanting him out of there. He hasn't beat Ohio State. I get it. But in a lot of other ways, Look, they had Rich Rodriguez. They had Brady Hoke. It was ugly with everybody. Right. The difference now is at least he's winning some of the games he's supposed to win. Again, the big question, too, is who are they going to get? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the Michigan man they talked about before, Les Miles, you really going to hire him to come to Michigan after what he's doing at Kansas? Absolutely not. And so, you know, as you look at this Michigan thing, you have to really ask yourself, who is the answer that is going to move the needle? You know, that's a good question because here's the thing I look at, Reggie, why there's a ton of college athletes that are going to be coming into this class looking for a home and they ain't got nowhere to go but some bags full and and not a room to find, if you would, compared to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, in the middle of the summer where there is no vacancy that's not the same conversation with college coaches right now. I mean, you know, some years, you know, it's the year of the quarterback, the year of the running back. This is not the year of the, the head football coach around the country, right? I mean, you look at Tennessee struggling right now. They got questions. Virginia Tech's got questions. We, we just talked about Michigan. There's other programs, Texas. But who are you going to go get? Who are you going to go get 
that can be better than what you have. And I like what you said, and I've actually taken up for hardball on multiple levels because there's other programs that would say, look, dude, you'll come here and win eight games? Bro, I'll give you an extension. Eight games is a big-time, big-time deal, and hardly anybody's beating Ohio State. So why Michigan feels like they're any different, you know, I get it's their rival, but let's just be honest. you got to call a spade a spade, and at the end of the day, the Ohio State Buckeyes are in a different caliber of competition normally than Michigan is in the last, what, three, four, five years, maybe longer. Absolutely. I'm going to hit you with this, right? I'm going to just give you some names, and, and, and this is how I look at it. And I respect all these names. Jamie Chadwell, what he's doing at Coastal. Are Michigan fans going to be excited about Jamie Caldwell? Chadwell, Jamie Chadwell. Nope. I don't think so. Because they don't, they, they don't look outside the region. Billy Napier, they're not going to be excited about Billy Napier. Hugh Freeze might move their needle, but is Hugh Freeze really going to go to Michigan? He's got roots in the SEC. He's not going north. Will Muschamp, well, he just got fired. Luke Fickle, it ain't going to happen because he's waiting on Ohio State if it ever comes open. He's not going to go to Michigan. He's from Ohio. So, again, those are the hottest names out there. Urban Meyer ain't going to Michigan. So, again, who are they going to get? I agree. It's a very slim pool and a very small picking. When you look at the coaching carousel, in comparison to the player carousel, because, man, I tell you what, it is, say it's like this, Reggie, I'd say, you know, there's a buyer's market and a seller's market. This, for college coaches, is definitely a buyer's market. It ain't really good for the sellers, and that's the college coming up athletes, the 2021 kids are going to be graduating here in the next couple of months around the state of South Carolina and even over there in North Carolina that, by the way, will be playing football here in about two months in February, they'll kick off that season and play two seasons in one year. That's kind of wild if you think about it that way. That being said, you know, it, it is, you're exactly right. And I, this is why I challenge people. But these coaches, you know, it, it's not like I – mean, you, you look at Tennessee. Let's go back to the SEC. You look at Tennessee, you know, and, and I like what that guy does. Now, I'm not saying that he deserves a bonus, but – a year ago, they were loving him like he was the greatest thing that they have ever hired since Philip Fulmer. Remember, he started off and now, slow. And he now they strong. wish. And now they wish they had went ahead and hired Greg Schiano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's to say he would have done it during COVID? There's more internal issues, is my point here, going on within the campuses that not everybody's seeing when it comes to COVID. That's my thought. I don't have any facts. I don't have a guy. I'm just saying. That why we understand that there is bubbles and rooms and floors and all the other doors that they're putting them in, you've got to believe, you've got to believe, Reggie, that these coaches aren't just coaching against the teams that they play against on Saturday, man. They're coaching against health. They're coaching against uh, every DHEC, uh, you know, regulation around the country. I mean, there's a lot on these coaches that, quite frankly, you know, it, it makes it tough for these guys to do what they would say their normal nine-to-five is, right? Absolutely. And, 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 and to that point about where kids are going and where and opportunities, this is something I saw this from Brett McMurphy earlier on Twitter, guys. Check this out. In the last eight days, 121 FBS players hit the transfer portal. 26 today. Hmm. Everybody's, got, everybody's got additional eligibility, and you've got a whole crop of kids coming out of high school. 
here's what I can guarantee you. There's going to be some FCS programs and some group of five programs get some real good football players. And, guys, I think next year may be one of those years that's dangerous for some of the big boy schools that are used to thumping on these smaller schools and these group of fives. Some of these group of five schools may be loaded with talent because of what's going on this year with COVID and all the kids looking to transfer. I agree. I agree with you 100%. And, and, and who's going to make out? So let me ask you this. You got Alabama right now who, who is who's on the track to stay and go undefeated through the rest of the year. They, they look like it's basically in their pocket. And you got teams like Notre Dame who's shown a little bit of weaknesses in certain areas. They'll find out what they got here coming up because they're going to be playing in their ACC championship game against Clemson. It's going to be a different ball game because I will say that Clemson is going to have some guys back that were injured. I'll give you the argument a couple of weeks back to some light there. However, when you constantly recruit top five-star guys across the country, you would think those kids could be able to come in and ball out pretty quickly. But then for Alabama, it's Florida. You know, what, what do you see? Who do you see? Is it the rich just keep getting richer like we've seen in the last few years? Or have we enjoyed this season, be it the COVID season? I get it. But, boy, hadn't it been nice to see teams like Coastal Carolina? You're seeing BYU. You're seeing, I don't know, that other team in the Big Ten that I honestly knew they played basketball. But who knew Indiana could play football, right? That's right. Well, what you're seeing is programs about development, having success. They are developing players and building them into the talent level that they need. And that, those are the programs you're starting to see have sustained success. And I think that's important moving forward uh, to, to, to how all of this is playing out. And, and that sustained, sustained success and player development is the foundation of program. And that's why we say all the time, look, you can go get a – there's only a couple of five-star kids that come out a year, if that, and a few four-stars. You've got to live off three stars. Can you develop the Jimmies and the Joes? And what you're seeing is, even though Alabama has a lot of great players, they are developing Jimmies and Joes. Nobody thought Mac Jones would be playing this well, but he is. You know, some people are, who's, who's Zach Wilson at BYU? He's a player that they've developed over time. And we can't forget that. So part of it is the rich getting richer, but – Part of the way the rich is getting richer is even the kids that they bring in that are not as highly touted on paper, they're turning them into great players as well as the kids that come in the door already known and expected to be great players. Hanging out right now, wrapping it up here with one of the great ones, Reginald Walker Jr. over in the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. Checking in, as always, here at 7 o'clock Monday night right here on Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Elman, of course, alongside Eugene Benton as we're breaking down the college front when it all comes together. So let me ask you this one here, Reggie. You know, as you look at the rankings, you see one through five. How right do you feel like they are? Who do you think when it's all said and done? As we look here in the first week of December coming into the conversation, you know, uh, what, what do you like? Who do you like? Who do you think is going to be at this point, the final four teams when it's said and done at this point? I think it's stacked as fairly as it can be. Um, based on matchups. And the reason why I say that is because I think Florida is better than Texas A&M, but Texas A&M beat Florida. That's just the truth. And you can't just throw out head-to-head matchups. I just don't think you either have to account for them 
or you're telling me that teams playing each other don't matter. And so, right. unfortunately, I have to agree with Florida being at six because Texas A&M beat them. I don't think Texas A&M is a top-five team. I look at Texas A&M, and people say oh, their defense looked great the last few weeks. Yeah, one of those weeks included an inept LSU offense. So I don't want to hear it. And, a, and, a, and an LSU team that is that bad, and they still could only get 20 points against LSU. So, again, I, I'm not totally sold on, on Texas A&M, but they did beat Florida, so I have to accept that. I think Notre Dame should really, if it were me, and, and, and certain things obviously hadn't happened, I'd have Notre Dame probably at best at four. Uh, but they beat Clemson. They have that win. You could say what you want about Trevor Lawrence not being there, but at the end of the day, they won the game. And so you have to give them that credit. Uh, for me, I think Alabama is the best team in the country. I think Clemson is right next to them. And I think Ohio State is right there. I would have the Buckeyes as the third best team in the country. I think, I think Alabama's the best team. I'd say Clemson, when healthy, is the most complete team in the country. There's a difference. And then I, I think Ohio State's one of the best three teams in the country as well. Uh, I, I don't think – I feel like Notre Dame is probably more like the fourth best team in the country. Um, and so if, if it were me, all things were equal, we'd be sitting here looking at Notre Dame with one loss. I think Clemson would have beat them had Trevor Lawrence been there. So we'd be looking at a ranking that probably looks something like uh, Alabama Cle- – well, probably be Clemson, Alabama – Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M would be – I think that's what it would look like if, if things had gone the way we expected them to. Obviously, they didn't, so I'm okay with what the committee has right now. I think Florida has an opportunity to play their way in if they can obviously beat uh, Alabama in the SEC championship game. And, and it, But that's going to come down to how much better their defense gets and if, if Dan Mullen is willing to run the football. And that's the bottom line. Because if they think they're going to just go in there and have a shootout with Alabama, they're going to get beat. It's that simple. I agree with you, Reggie, one of the best in the biz. Reggie, as always, we appreciate your 30 that you give us, brother. I am going to connect with you off the air in the next 24 hours to get you some information that I talked about just earlier as we brought you on, man. But, again, glad you're doing well. We look forward to next week, and uh, we'll kind of review the games that will be a little bit closer as we look forward to these uh, conference championships uh, kicking off here in a couple weeks, my friend. Sounds good, guys. appreciate you. Stay warm down there in the low country. And uh, until next week, we are. There you go, guys. That is Reginald Walker, Jr. Got to go to break. Coming up, we go back to Columbia. Oh, man, West. Mitchell from Gamecock Central going to join us next. A little walk this way as we break it in between the two guests.
everybody and bringing him in in styles he's breaking glasses and getting the story and that is the one and only Wes Mitchell he covers over there for the Gamecocks Central Group he's one of the best in the biz Wes good afternoon I'm sure man you were uh, quite exhausted after the last 24 hours huh I was until I heard that music man now I feel like I uh, <laughs> need to run down to the ring uh, you chug some beer and deliver some stone cold stunners <laughs> man, I tell you what, you guys gave us some stunners over the weekend, man. Great job covering this Shane Beamer thing, man. I mean, you know, I, I know you guys were right there, I believe, as soon as he jumped off the uh, the plane all the way to walking around to being in the stadium. I mean, the the work that you guys do at Gamecock Central, you know, dot com is the best in, in any college level of what you guys do in covering local colleges in the state right here in South Carolina, but. 
when you saw this new story break out, it started weeks back with the release of Will Muschamp, who I know you were close to, and you had a personal relationship with him, because that's what happens when you cover these coaches. You get to know them and their families. But uh, walk us through the last four or five weeks in, in uh, Gamecock Central uh, life when it comes down to uh, how you guys handled it from day of releasing Will Muschamp to yesterday announcing in the day of uh, the new coach, and that is Shane Beamer. Yeah, it's been, um, I guess, uh, a wild, I would say, three weeks, but, but really, um, you know, three weeks from yesterday when, when Muschamp got let go. But really, I would say the, the two weeks or so prior to that, uh, you know, I'd add that in there as well for the last five weeks or so um, were pretty wild. I, I think it it started, y'all, you know, th- this was something where I, I know obviously there's a portion of the fan base who wanted – must champ out for for probably a while now but I didn't really get the impression that the administration at South Carolina really wanted to fire Will Muschamp but once um once South Carolina lost to to LSU the way they did you know as a freshman quarterback I I think that that sort of obviously got everybody a little bit restless but but Muschamp was going to be fine it it really wasn't you know y'all remember that that Texas A&M game at, at home it wasn't until that game um, just the absolute way South Carolina was uh, deep offense, defense, special teams, back-to-back after having the same thing happen against LSU. That's when the wheels started turning internally for South Carolina and uh, that, that it really looked like a move was going to be made at some point. And, and we were, you know, we were told then, and we even we reported it as much as we possibly could, that, hey, if um, here, here's the deal, if, if it goes bad at Ole Miss, then you could see movement towards the change. Obviously, South Carolina loses that game as well. Another rough game on defense, and lo and behold, they, they make the move on, on that following Sunday. So then, um, you know, it went into hyperdrive. Um, South Carolina, basically a three-week search. Um, Shane Beamer, very, I would say, very quickly started rising Um you know, within the administration as far as their thoughts and who they wanted to go. And honestly, y'all, I would say for the last, I don't know, man, maybe two weeks or so, two and a half weeks, um, Beamer has has had a ton of momentum and it's just kept building and it got to the point that he was in the lead. And um, we kept saying leader in the clubhouse was the best way to say it because he set the bar and somebody was going to have to pass him. And, um, Frankly, no, nobody else was, was really able to step up there and, and pass him of the guys that, that South Carolina was talking to and of the guys that were highly interested. Hanging out with Wes Mitchell, hanging out up there in Columbia, South Carolina, with the new head coach of the Gamecocks. Of course, that is Shane Beamer. You made a, a, a tweet about three hours ago, and it says, win the press conference, check. I agree with you. I thought that was uh, a very – well put together. He mentioned his family. He mentioned those who had been on his path, not only at South Carolina, but around all of his coaching time as he's, of course, built that resume that's landed him right back in the home state where he's, of course, born here in Charleston, where we're coming to you live. And then you hear that story all the way to it was his dream job. He left here so that he could come back here. That, to me, I thought was classic. That was one of my favorite things that he said, a very mature move for him to say, look, I got to do what I got to do if I plan on coming back here as a head football coach. Yeah, I, I thought he knocked it out of the park, y'all. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things. Um, 
yeah, you know, winning the press conference doesn't always mean anything as far as the grand scheme of things. But I, I thought for, for Shane Beamer, that was a that was going to be an important thing because with, with the momentum he built from the South Carolina administration, I felt like the momentum he built he built with the fan base was sort of like um, was a little bit lagging or a little bit delayed. So it was kind of like the administration really liked Shane Beamer. And when his name first started floating out, the fan base was a little bit like, um, wait, all right, I don't, I don't know about this. And then as sort of more information leaked out about what a Shane Beamer um, plan might look like, um, more and more people got on board. I think by Saturday night, Sunday morning, it, you know, it was maybe 75%, 80% of people are on board. Um, then I think as people started to see – you know, they, they had this great shot USC put out of Beamer in the plane flying into Columbia, and he's taking the, uh, he's taking the picture of Williams Bryce out of the window of the plane. Um, you know, and it just looks like that, that's something any Gamecock fan would probably do if they were flying by Williams Bryce Stadium. The little video of him getting choked up, thinking about his daughter, um, Easter egg hunting, you know, on, you know, on the Williams Bryce field when they were here 10 years ago. I think the fans have slowly, the ones even that were on the fence, have kind of been like, okay, I think I might get this. <clears throat> I was getting texts during the press conference from former Gamecocks and just from buddies of mine that are big Gamecock fans. And <clears throat> one of them that stood out to me was they were like, we, we got our guy, like with our in caps, as in this guy is one of us, I, I think is – is the sentiment from, from Gamecock fans right now. So uh, I, I truly believe that that can be a powerful thing. And I, I think it was a, it was an interesting contrast, um, you know, com- compared to, to Muschamp when it was more of like an NFL style, like organization, we're going to run things professionally, the saving way type thing. Um, there, there's many different ways you can try to build a program. This one definitely had a strong contrast to, I think, what, what Muschamp's approach was to, to trying to uh, build a program. Hanging out with Wes Mitchell up there at GamecockCentral.com, Columbia, South Carolina, with Gamecocks have mentioned and, of course, have now announced their hiring, and I believe as well as anybody that you got to give it all thumbs up for Shane Beamer. Comes back home, and I love the picture. I love the walk in the stadium. I love the walk going up to uh, the stadium where uh, Mike Uba asked him a question. I thought that was a pretty classic one as well. But I'm going to ask you two questions, and I'm going to bring Eugene in because I know he's got a few things that he wants to talk. But talk to me about the success that he had in his previous tenure here when he was here with Spurrier, how he got an Alshon Jeffries, where he's got that relationship. That's just one of the things I feel that he brings, the strongest things that he brings is that opportunity that he doesn't meet strangers, and he's very warm and welcomed in the many hallways across the state and around the country in many schools. And then – the coaches that are around the state actually are some of them that he recruited back 10 years ago. Let's talk about that a little bit between his connection and, and his recruiting and how that's going to play a factor. And then who does he bring in to coach, man? Do you, have you guys had any thoughts on those? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a lot to digest there. Richie. I think, um, I think you look, man, and you, uh, you, you sort of have um, a guy who, who understands this gig, right? And he know, he knows what it looks like when when it was good. He knows what it looks like um, when you're signing players from from this state. And uh, I know uh, 
I know you guys, man, y'all, y'all talk to people all over the state that are involved in high school football. And, you know, you're out there at the camps as well, and you see there's talent in this state. And I, I think um, the key for South Carolina to be good is to is to to pick the right kids to recruit in this state and then to go land the kids from this state, you know. And, and I, I think uh, you, you look, South Carolina obviously had a, um, I would say, an upward trend in talent. Um, back then that they were able to set things up for, for South Carolina to be able to, to go win, you know, go on that streak that they did under, under Steve Spurrier. And you look at sort of some of those classes that were putting, putting the foundation in place, I think is a good way to say it. He, he was the recruiting coordinator. And I would say the job he did then, guys, frankly, sort of put him in position to be able to land this job as weird as it is to say, like 10 years, you know, 10 years later. Um, there's a lot of relationships. He said he had 600 missed texts that he had to respond to, that he had, was going to have to get to. Um, you know, from what I understand, he's probably already um, – he's already talked to some, some high school coaches in this state, um, was already sort of reaching out, and people are reaching out to him. And um, it's very – I think it's very deep-rooted as far as his connections to this program and this state. And uh, and that's only going to serve him well. I think he, much like his father, you know, he he's a down to earth guy. He's a great networker, um, great relationship builder, really good communicator too. I, I think that sort of came across today. It was a very, um, it was a very planned. You know, the, the message he he made sure he hit on on all of his bullet points. He didn't forget his wife, obviously, like his dad apparently did in his press conference. But also, it felt like it was from the heart too. You know, it wasn't just some coach speak type thing. So, yeah, I, I think he hit on everything, y'all. As far as the staff, um, we'll see. Obviously, it's already out there. Shavaris Robinson, uh, Kyle Krantz, um, not uh, going to be back with South Carolina on a Beamer staff. Now, there's some other guys right now that are sort of just in, in a holding pattern. Um, you know, my my impression is that some of those guys will be back. Some of those guys may, you know, may be eventually let go. And some of those guys may, you know, may find other opportunities in the meantime and say, hey, we're not waiting around. I'm going to go take care of me. So it's sort of all a fluid process right now. But um, I'm sure all that's being worked out, you know, behind the scenes. And uh, Wes, this is Eugene jumping in here, man. Um, You know, something that you just brought up, I I want to touch on because when, as soon as the, well, I'll tell you, before the Must Champ release came out, uh, I was in Charlotte, as you and I talked about, and I hesitated to put it out on Sport, Southern Sports Central, but it was from a very strong source. Uh, you and I have discussed kind of who some of those people are, and it was, you know, we expect on Sunday, Coach to be let go and, and Bobo take over. Well, I put it out there. I thought about it. thought about put it out there. Richie kind of was like, well, let's just take it down. And people got really upset. One of the, the, the groups of people that I saw the biggest upset were a bunch of high school coaches because in their mind, Muschamp had come in and done such a great job, myself included, had taken an awful well advantage of, of free tickets and, and you know some bikes to eat, this, that, and the other at the stadium, uh, some great seats, you know, because they felt like um, uh, Spurrier Jr., had kind of, kind of, you know, either disrupt guys the wrong way or didn't show guys enough love in state. But Muschamp was doing such a great job. 
building that rapport. And, man, they're like, there was just so many head coaches who hadn't even sent a kid to South Carolina. Uh, uh, for example, you know, our, our good friend down at Hilton Head, but was just lamenting over, you know, this the job that Muschamp had done to build this rapport. Uh, and I think uh, Reggie Walker and I were talking about this last week. I think that's a huge get for Beamer because he brings in the name. He's young. He's got that smile. Hey, man, I was born here in Charleston. Uh, is, is that something that, you know, uh, have you seen, you know, especially in the high school ranks, kind of now that we know who it is, they're kind of that sigh of relief and kind of thinking, you know, I can work with this dude? Yeah, I think so, man. And I'm I'm excited to, to sort of get some more reactions, uh, certainly from, from recruits and their coaches of the people that, that South Carolina is obviously going to be reaching out to. And, and then just, um, you know, from, from random coaches around the state, I, I think it, it's sort of interesting, you know, the, these coaches, they, they've got their, they got their teams they're pulling for too. So you got some game coaches out there that are high school guys, not that they would push their kid to, to either school, but you got some Clemson fans that are high school coaches. And generally it's the game coaches that I sort of will just randomly hear from because they like to, you know, they're, they're involved. They like to see what's going on at South Carolina. And, you know, I've, I've already gotten several texts from people just excited because in, in a lot of cases they either knew Shane before or have at least followed Shane's career. And, and he has that reputation of being, a, first of all, a good guy. Um, hey, you want to send your, your players to, you know, to play for a good coach, but you also, it's got to be somebody you can trust and a, and a good guy, a good person. And, I think Shane's time here as recruiting coordinator is going to serve him well in knowing, you know, like you talked about, making sure that, that high school coaches and their kids are taken care of when they come for games. And I know next year we're all hopeful that, uh, you know, we're going to start to be in a little bit more of a of a post-COVID type world where recruiting visits can take place again. I could get into that for – we could talk about that for an hour, how much this is sucked for the kids not to be able to take visits and stuff but I think um I think between you know the uh the relationship Shane had before and the relationships he'll quickly build now I, I don't think that's something that that anybody's worried about if, if it you know if it if it was like some just completely new guy that didn't really know the state didn't really have a lot of ties or connections here I think maybe you'd you'd sort of be a little more wait and see about it if that makes sense that makes a lot of sense, and actually, you know, you brought it up, and it's actually, you know, something that I know that you're uh, are intimately tied into, and that's obviously the high school recruiting uh, aspect, especially in the state, or you know, the, the recruiting aspect and coverage of South Carolina. Um, you know, when Shane was here before, uh, you know, that was the lightning in the bottle. You had that class, and you know, the 2008, 2009 group, uh, 2010 group that just had, you know, some high high-end, you know, uh, athletes in the state of South Carolina. You know, I mean, you got Alshon Jeffries had a great NFL career who came out as a four-star. I believe he was a 5'8 or 5'9. Uh, uh, um, uh, Gilmore was actually a 4.0, 6.0. You had Clowney as a five-star. You know, you had um, uh, Lattimore as a five-star. Then you had a lot of those three-star defensive ends. Uh, you know, all the way down to, to uh, man down in Beaufort. And these were guys that Shane was, was, you know, masterfully recruiting and signing and just, you know, for the lower star guys, uh, like our, uh, our 
uh, defensive end from down in Buford. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, I know his nickname. He don't say nothing. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I can remember. But the problem is, I always remember he don't say nothing. So that's, that's yeah. the most I can remember from his name. Um, and, and you know, I think the, Shane's entering a time in South Carolina uh, where it's about to be catch lightning in a bottle again. Now, 2021 had some talent, uh, and I know it's a little late in the process for that, maybe not too late. Uh, who knows? I got another follow-up question to that. Uh, but 2022 is deep in this state. As you've seen from our junior bowl and, and kids who have 13, 14 offers who didn't even get into this, uh, and, and 2023 seems to have some pretty good talent in South Carolina. So I think that window of him coming back in at a very uh, – kind of fruitful couple of years in South Carolina will serve well. Um, I'll, I'll let you talk about where you think the 2022s, 2023 class, and kind of if you see that whole kind of uh, where the curve seems to be rounding back to that point back. in 2008, 9, and 10. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think, um, God, you, you look at that 20, 2022 class and – you know, not, nothing against our, our guys in the 21, but I, I just I feel like there's a little more um, depth there. There's a little more elite depth there as far as – I mean, you look at the offer list, some of these guys already have. Um, it, it's over the top. And, you know, and there, there's already guys in 23 that are starting to get interest, and as we all know, guys will emerge. Um, you know, it's always – this state, there's so many small towns and – and small little football factories. Sometimes it just takes takes a little bit longer for the guys to emerge in our state than it does in, you know, in like maybe Atlanta or something like that. So, I uh, I think the interesting thing is going to be because you know recruiting starts so early. I look at these 2022 guys and I say that guy's a stud, that guy's a stud, that guy's a stud. But then I see, uh, you know, the the kid at Greenville, the offensive lineman, had already committed to. To Clemson, Jaden Lucas. Depending on who you talk to, I, I think there's some Clemson buzz there. Uh, maybe Ohio State strong in the mix as well. There's a lot of good players that I think, because of the way South Carolina, frankly, had played on the field, um, South Carolina was sort of behind on these guys. So to me, the question becomes: Who can Shane Beamer hire as far as his assistants? And how much buzz can he maybe build in the state to try and make a run at some of these guys for the class of 2022? Because there is a lot of talent. Um, there, there's something about a new coach coming in that does tend to create a little bit of momentum I've seen in recruiting because you're selling hope. You're selling playing time a lot of times, and you don't have those blemishes on your record. You know, Muschamp was having to – he was recruiting to – Four wins last year, and then, of course, um, they were struggling this year as well. So um, it's really hard to sign great players when you're struggling like that and when Clemson is not struggling, obviously. So with, with this group, yeah, some of these kids will go to Clemson. Some of them will go out of state. But I think it will give you a little bit of boost. It will give South Carolina a little bit of boost to having a new guy in town, high energy. Again, I'm curious to see who he hires. Does, does some of the guys he – that he brings on, you know, do some of them maybe have some prior connections in the state? Do, you know, does that get you in the door a little bit more? Um, recruiting momentum is a real thing. If you start to land, it's funny how if you land this guy, land that guy, all these kids talk. They're all connected because of social media now. 
I mean, y'all saw what UNC did. UNC started just building momentum early in their class last year, and all of a sudden UNC was like the cool place to go. So we'll we'll see if, if that's something that, that South Carolina and Beamer and, and whoever is on his staff can sort of repl- replicate. Yeah, I agree. And, and the you know, you brought up how the kids talk, actually. You know, with our involvement with the uh, Junior Bowl and the Senior Bowl, you know, obviously, so for the East on the junior team, they have this group, uh, I guess you call it a group DM. So everybody on the East team, the coaches, all of us, we're all in that one. Same thing as the West. Well, I will never forget the other night when uh, when the young man from Greenville committed to, to uh, Clemson. I mean, you should have just seen every kid from around the state, big school, small school, big town, small town. It was, hey, you know, what did you do to impress the coaches? What was it like, you know? What did you see there? How did the process start? I mean, these kids, and it's amazing how a lot of them, you know, you read what they post and you're kind of wondering, like, man, grow up a little bit. Then you read when, you know, when when the pavement kind of hits the road there, the feet hit the road, and some of these, you know, it's like they were interviewing this guy, you know, who's their teammate, classmate, uh, so to speak, in this game. And once they saw this, you know, the chips fall, it, it was just amazing to see how they reacted to that. So I could definitely, I definitely agree with you about the whole momentum, you know, kind of swing it. Sometimes it takes just get reeling that big fish and everybody going, whoa, I could go play with this guy kind of thing. No, no doubt, man. And I, I think, um, you know, there, there was a sense or a hope, <clears throat> from South Carolina, I think that when they landed Gunnar Stockton for the class of 2022, that could sort of be that jumping off point, um, you know, especially with maybe some skill guys. Because all these guys, as you all know, they're, it's not just their high school teammates anymore. They got seven-on-seven seven ball, and they're playing in all these different tournaments. Um, you know, maybe you pull some of his seven-on-seven seven teammates. And, and I, I think just, like I said, it, you know, when, when you're recruiting to a four-win season and then struggling on the field this year too, is it doesn't matter who you already have committed. It's hard to build that momentum. But I, I think one one big key I, I think for South Carolina moving forward, not um, not that Gunnar Stockton's an in-state kid, but still, you know he's he's a national name. So right now he's focused focused on his high school playoffs. Um, but moving forward, once he gets that out of the way once South Carolina gets their staff in place, I think one thing that could sort of be that jumping off point for them to build some momentum would be if they could get a Gunner Stockton to sort of like reaffirm a commitment to say, I, I'm going to go play for Shane Beamer. Uh, I think that's something that, that maybe could sort of give them a, a little bit of momentum moving forward. Then maybe, you know, maybe once it gets rolling, you land a, a couple of other guys that want to play with him, then, that can carry over to in-state as well. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Richie and I talked to him, uh, Gunner, at an infinity camp uh, back over the summer. Man, he is he's big. You know, he's a real thick guy, kind of tall, broad shoulders, very confident, got a great smile, you know, kind of all those uh, features you look for and kind of your, the face of a program. But uh, So, real quick, one last question on the recruiting front. It may be something you have an, uh, an idea about. Um is there any deadline, any date, any anything out of the NCAA on what they're going to do for the next year, for the 2021s? I mean, because right now with a freeze of, you know, last year is no eligibility counted kind of thing, um, you know, in schools right now are still capped at 85. Have we heard anything? Has been, 
there been any type of buzz of what to do? Or the 2021s, you know, the NCAA just saying, hey, sorry, COVID, you're locked out, but maybe a few of you. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, there's nothing solid I've heard on that. Obviously, the NCAA is going to have a lot to figure out, y'all, because, um, dude, I mean, we, we don't even know when kids are going to be able to visit again. And uh, I know right now, I guess April 15th is sort of the deadline or, or the cutoff where they might be able to visit again. But that keeps getting pushed back as well. So, I think what you're going to have to do, have to see, as much like the spring sports, um, you know, like baseball has done, is that you'll you'll see where guys can probably, much like um, the last year of eligibility didn't count for football players, I think you're going to have to do something where maybe for a year or two, um, seniors maybe don't count towards the 85. Um, or you just extend the 85, because um, really you're you're going to have a massive mess on your hands because it's not it's not like just the from a math standpoint it's not like just the seniors got a free year everybody got a free year you know so it's not a problem that just goes away after one season so. I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe you could sort of have a, a like, gradual pullback to where maybe you say here anybody that's a returning senior doesn't count towards the 85. Then maybe the, maybe the next year after that you do something similar or you just say half of the seniors don't count or something. I, I don't have the answers, and I'm not smart enough to make that decision, but I do hope – NCAA isn't always that smart either, so I'm, I'm hoping they uh, they get they can figure this one out. Well, I tell you one thing, we do figure out because of the guys over there at Gamecock Central and like this one right here on the phone with us right now, Wes Mitchell. Wes, man, you know the fun part is not only the relationships that we build with the football players that we cover, these high school college guys, but man, I love showing up at events like we did in Infinity and. We show up on sidelines, and there you guys are. It's just – it's a nice family unit, man. And I always tell everybody, man, there was a guy yesterday over the weekend – I'm going to leave you with this – that tweeted out and why you would even go to Twitter and put that there's no talent in our state because it's easily going to be twisted and turned and burned if somebody else uh, didn't prove that this time last year that uh, it's not a good idea. But I think we would all agree that even though it's a different season, there's still a lot of talent in our state, the class of 21, that uh, I feel like is going to be overlooked just because of the COVID season. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine who on Twitter would say something like that um, <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to stop there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, guys, we, we obviously got talent in this state. And um, I, I think, I think like, you know, me and Eugene were talking about there a second ago. It's gonna, right. it's it's going up too. There, there, there's ups and downs. You know, I, I think, I think it's fair to say the 21 hasn't had as much like SEC, ACC talent as as maybe we've seen in the past. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean we don't still have a bunch of guys that can go play college ball and play at the next level. And um, I think it's really about to take a big jump up for 22 and 23 as well. I'm very curious to see who emerges for 23 because you're already seeing some guys start to emerge so um I, i'm excited y'all and i uh i obviously um am excited about the the junior bowl as well because that's uh 
that's going to be a really, really nice uh, collection of, uh, of talent. Yeah, don't forget, now in the second, we come down to Woodland down here in, in, in Charleston. we got the Senior Bowl in the second. So, Junior Bowl on the 20th, Senior Bowl on the second. Uh, you come on down. You can, stay, you can stay down here with me, man. You don't have to worry about it. I'll take care of your, 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 your staying abilities because I want you down here. I want you to see these, this class of 21 that's going to be balling out, man. Even J.J. Jones is going to play in that one, which is uh, exciting. Okay. I mean, the kid from – yeah, the, the wide receiver from Dillon, who's already committed somewhere in, in a Power 5 school, he's going to play. So, a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities. And uh, before we go, man, how do they find you? How do they follow you guys? Uh, any specials you guys got going on over there at Gamecock Central? Yeah, man, uh, GamecockCentral.com, at Gamecock Central on Twitter. Tell you what, if um, if they want half off their first year, just throw Gamecocks into the uh, little promotion field when you get to checkout. And um, if they're not quite ready, they want to try things out first, um, I'll give you the code we actually give away on our podcast. It's just GCPOD. And if you put that in there, that'll give you a 30-day free trial, um, whether you're doing an annual or a a monthly subscription. That'll give you the first 30 days free. And then, obviously, once the 30 days is up, whichever one you picked will uh, will kick in there. So uh, that's Gamecocks for 50% off an annual and GCPOD for 30 days free on a monthly or an annual. Cool, brother. And, of course, we can find you right there on Twitter as well, correct? Oh, yeah, West Mitchell, D.C., that's me. You got it, buddy. God bless you. Appreciate you. I'll talk to you before because we're going to see you on the 20th. But thanks again for all that you do for all of us down in Charleston. I know you're on Jamie's. You probably jump on Bobby's. I know there's a bunch of us that pull at you on a regular basis, and you're always taking time away from somebody and giving it to us. So we appreciate the time you give us, buddy. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. I know it was sort of uh, it was tough for me to get on the same page there for a minute. So uh, sorry about that, but I'm glad I got to get on uh, get on here tonight, y'all. Hey, brother, you do a great job. It's hard to keep up with guys like you that stay so busy, man. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See y'all. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only. That is Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central. We're going to stay in Columbia because uh, we got to go over to Dutch Fork where this dude is showing his things and rings. That is Shaman Price, big time left tackle coming at you on that offensive line. We're taking a break, and it's a short one. Don't go anywhere. The big man and many more, all our three. It's a champion power, guys. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Hour three in session. Grab yourself a cold soda. Get yourself some popcorn and welcome in the big man. He played 23, count it down, 23 varsity games. He gave up only one sack. He's serving out pancakes 12 times. And guess what? My dog has got a ton of rings to wrap around that one hand. And without further ado, I bring him in right here back on Southern Sports Central in all the size you can imagine. 6'3", 
295, a great point adjunct of 3.2. He's a steal in the class of 21, Mr. Shaman Price. What's up, Shaman? Hey, how you doing? Man, I tell you, I'm excited to get you in here, brother. We started you off 5A football to lead it off, and we're going to go down the list with a couple of, uh, of other guys that won some rings and things on Friday and Saturday, man. Uh, I tell you what, you graduate this year, but you did you did that, buddy. You got more rings just on one or two hands than some have on any hands. But uh, tell the listeners, how many rings do you have now as you wrapped up your senior season over there at Dutch Fork? Well, now the total is four rings, and we're five times straight um, state champions. Wow. So there's five rings. This dude right here has got four of them. And I got to tell you, if you get around him, he probably buys you a pancake. If you don't, he probably served you a pancake. Man, tell me about it, man. You're in the you're in the trenches, man. And I got to be honest with you. I watched you guys on many videos. Of course, I've got a lot of connections up there in the middle of the state where we've been watching you guys down here in the low country because, as you know, y'all always size up with somebody down here on this side of the world. You open up this year, by the way, with a team that you know well, Somerville, uh, came up there and, and played you guys to open up the playoffs this year. But what what is it, man? What I was in the locker room. Remember last year, your junior season, when your head coach, Knox, looked at you guys and he said, and I remember it like yesterday, at this moment, at this time, this is the most important thing in your life. After this football game, we'll reprioritize everything, but at this moment, this is the only thing you need to worry about. I think he's one of the greatest coaches at giving the speeches, man. And that was the first time and the only time I've ever been able to get in that locker room and hear him give that speech. But what speech did he give you guys to go out there and pick up five for him but four for you? Uh, he said that, hey, let's, hey look, we came here for a mission. That's what he told us. Hey, let's finish what we started. Um, he also said that, this been a tough year, a lot of adversity. But guess what? We want to finish out strong and win a win that state championship. Now, of course, you guys, uh, y'all showed out all year long. You guys went against so much of uh, distractions on and off because of the factor of COVID and, and things like that. But you guys stay united together. The one thing that your head coach said this, and I, and I, I, I almost was going to play it, but I didn't want to take away from your interview we hopefully will have him with us on our coaches segment next, or of course this Wednesday. But he said that he doesn't worry about you guys when it comes to off-season workouts and showing up on time and, and staying late. You know, tell us about that mentality. I know you guys saw Jalen leave, your quarterback leave, and others leave, but it was the brothers like yourself that stayed united together that brought up the underclassmen as you became the top classmen on this team. Man, what is it about? over there at Dutch Fort, man, uh, that, that makes you guys as special as we keep watching, reading, and seeing year after year. Dutch Fort, we're, um, we're all we're a year-round program. Like, the grind don't stop. Every time we win a championship, hey, we right back at, um, we right back at it on Monday in the rate room, in the classroom, and when spring ball hits, we all, we're back on our mission to win another state championship. And this year, uh, for my seniors, um, we all we all stick together. We was united, and we was telling ourselves, "Hey, we're gonna win another state championship." And we prom we we promised ourselves we're gonna keep working hard. We're gonna do everything what we can. Stay united. Stay safe during this COVID season. And guess what? It all worked out. You no, know, it definitely did work out. As you guys uh, 
I don't know how many more trophy cases you guys are building over there, but I'm sure a few more are on order. For you, young man, this yeah, is a thanks. place that I'm sure you grew up watching. You, you grew up saying, I'm going to wear that jersey. I'm going to wear that helmet. Well, what does it mean to you, and, and how emotional was it for you? Did it take you to hit you on, on Saturday? Because you guys played on Friday night. You were the only game in town on Friday night in the state championship conversation. But when did it hit you, Shimon, that, that your season and your, your chapter and this part that God has given you had come to a close? It honestly hit me right after that buzzer hit when we won. Like it just it just all came into place. Like I was crying because like you never get that back. And I was so grateful to have all this opportunity. Uh I just wanna thank the coaches, my family, just everyone who supported me throughout this moment because that's right it's a blessing from God to win championships every year. Not a lot of people can say that, but I know I'm one of those people that can actually say that. Well, I tell you what, I should have brought you guys in with a Nature Boy theme because you've won four of them, right? Like the four horsemen, if you will. And I know there's five on the fingers of your head coach who now holds the record in North Carolina. And thanks to you guys, he holds the record in South Carolina, man. Tell me something about uh, Coach Knox, man, that I know he's got that father figure uh, inside the locker room. He's not the guy that, of course, a lot of people probably write about. And I've had the chance to get to know him pretty well since uh, I, I created this Southern Sports Central platform. And he's been very open in uh, opportunities to come in and join us when he has the time. But, uh, but tell me a memory, something that, that you always will remember, something that maybe he said to you in your four years, in your journey as you guys uh, were you collected four rings under his uh, coaching staff. The biggest moment with me and Coach Knox, it was my sophomore year. Uh, the varsity, uh, we was watching the JV film because that year I was on JV. And he said that everybody uh, listened because that year all our offensive linemen were seniors. And he said, number 71, for my part, will be a guaranteed start. I promise you that. At that moment, that – that was the that was straight up blessing from Coach Knotts because I was just a normal athlete just trying to you know, just just trying to get noticed. But when he called my name, that was it was all said and done. That I I, I promised and I told him that I will bring more championships to come. We're hanging out right now with the big man. You can check him out as he, of course, comes in at 6'3", 295. He's got a great point average of 3.2. Of course, he's been part of that All-State Midlands team. He's one of the top five offensive linemen in the state of South Carolina. And he's coming at you over there, of course, on that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the left side, right? You're a left tackle. Is that right, Shabon? Yeah, sir, left tackle and right tackle. That tackle, yeah, you'll play anywhere, I'm sure. If they put you on the defense, you wouldn't mind taking a few guys down instead of pushing them back. Now, give me the moment, and I and you can't say – don't tell me about the championship moments because I get those they are special, but give me a moment on the field, Shaman, during your senior season that you will always look back, or maybe it happened, like you said, with the coach there, but something inside that uh, that huddle that happened that, that, of course, when you close your eyes, that's the, that's the one moment that you're going to remember, young man. Uh, it was a Roller State Championship game when we beat Sumter. I took a knee, and I was thinking, like, that was, like, one of the best moments of my high school career, thinking that was my very last home game 
in that jersey in front of all those uh, with all the best fans in the world. That moment right there really hit me because that's my very last home game and hmm. my very last home game with my brothers and the seniors. Well, brother, I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm going to get you back in here, but I wanted you to be the representation of your team because you have been doing this thing for, uh, what, 23 games, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Again, 12 pancakes, only one sack he gave up, ladies and gentlemen, four times, 5A state champion, and he gives it all to the glory of God. And that's, young man, how I know that big man above has got bigger plans for you. And I know you're going to do big things on the football field. You're going to go to college, get education. You're going to do great things in your community, but it all starts by your, your support there at that house that you live in and all that you continue to do, and you just keep your head up. I look forward to talking to you off the air. You and I will do that here uh, in, in a few, if not today or tomorrow, but in the next few days because I am going to come up that way to catch up with you one-on-one, all right? All right. All right, buddy. God bless you. Take care. Congratulations on your state championship and, of course, four in a row, man, for anybody, that's a big deal, man. Some kids don't even get one. You actually get a chance to have four of them, buddy. God bless you. Take care and enjoy this week. It's your week, guys, as you guys are uh, 5A state champs, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, buddy. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the big man, Shaman Price, coming in here, hanging out with us on Southern Sports Central. I'm going to catch up with him some more because i got to tell you something. He is one of the most humble young men. He may seem quiet on the air, but let me tell you, he is heck on the field. Now, we take it to another place, and this time we're going to 4A football where Mr. Eric Rice has joined us. He is a wide receiver in the win, 42-7. to Under the lights, they went and handled business against North Myrtle Beach. I believe this guy, number seven, went with 117 yards and two touchdowns. Eric, congratulations on the dub, my friend, and the ring that's in the mail, I guess, Thank right? you. Yes, sir. It means a lot. Man, I tell you, man. So so give me some history, man, for those who are, who are living and learning about some AC Flora, man. Uh, you know, I watched your interview about if you ran your routes and you did things right, this would happen and that would happen, and look what happened. You guys took a team defensively who I watched the week before, manhandle Myrtle Beach. You guys go in there and run whatever route you wanted to as you put two in the end zone 117 yards later. And I got to tell you, a moment and a memory that you'll always remember, man. Walk us through this magical season that you guys had over there at AC Floor. Well, it really all starts to last year. We were a very young team, and we ran the ball a lot last year. So earlier in the year for this season, our coaches told us that in order to get a ring this year, we're going to have to, like, install a better passing game. And so as soon as the transfer, my boy Ethan Beamish uh, came to Florida, we just went straight to work in the summer. And then by the time it was football season, we already had a connection. And we started off the first five games on fire. And then our offensive coordinator in the first three games felt the run was working best. And so – we ran the ball a lot, and then he told me af- actually after the Catawba Ridge game to stay patient, and in the end, it all worked out as we were able to air it out in the state championship. Yeah, you guys definitely aired it out. Now, of course, it started a little bit different, but all of a sudden, the rhythm started taking place, and your quarterback became a gunslinger and hitting 
seeds and dimes and anything else that he threw, and he was hitting you guys in stride. I mean, as a receiver, and I was a quarterback in my day, so I can I can relate to having the hot arm, if you will. But being that receiver, knowing that your quarterback is going to put it in between not only one, two, maybe three guys, man, how much – I guess how much confidence does it give you to make sure that you're going to stay on seam, on route, and hit it in stride? Um. It's, it plays a major part because as he's doing his job, you have to make sure that you do yours and making sure you run the right perfect route to so the ball fits right in the basket wherever it's supposed to go. So tell me, you're a senior this year, correct? This is your senior year. You win a ring coming out of your uh, of your final chapter here in high school. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So tell me about your time, man. Uh, it, you know. How long did you play on varsity, man? Give me some memories, some moments, man. Give me the builds, you man, because I watched you guys. Matter of fact, I picked you guys early in the year to win this one. I know one of your coaches on staff pretty well, Perry Orth, of course, who's come down here with his camps and done some things. And, of course, it doesn't hurt. Hey, it doesn't hurt to have a, a former Power 5 quarterback uh, that played for Steve Spurrier over there uh, teaching your quarterback how to sling it around a little bit. And of course, hey, he works with the receivers, too, because he was a quarterback that threw to guys like you. So, how big was it to have not only Coach Orr, but some of the other coaches on the staff as well? It was great. I mean, he's telling us – he was telling us some stuff that happened in college and comparing it to our, like, team and everything. And also at receiver coach, we had a former Clemson player. And so him and Perry, like, together coaching the quarterbacks and receivers, it was, like, probably – it was really good. Yeah, that would be pretty neat having guys that have played in the league and telling you not only what to do, but what you got to do to get to where they got to get. So so give me your history book real quick, man. Kind of give me a fast-forward uh, lesson here. How long did you, have you been at this school? All four years? Did you play varsity the last two or three, the last year? Kind of give me the bio on the man behind all the madness, Mr. Eric Rice. Well, I've been at Florida all four years. I played on JV my freshman and sophomore year. And the past, my junior and senior year, I played on varsity or started on varsity. Now, when you look back at a moment, man, where was it that you guys, uh, a, a moment that you felt like this year, this senior year, this year for, for all of you guys on the way to winning the state championship and representing 4A across the state of South Carolina as champions? What was that one game through the year that you guys maybe had to, your back against the wall and you had to fight out of that hole, but you knew at that moment, at that time, yay, we got what it takes to win a state championship. Let's just go to work and do what we got to do. It was actually the third game of the season when we were actually tied with Irma High, High School at halftime. And our coach told us that we have to come out in the second half on fire to put him away. And ever since then, I think that that fire was lit under us and carried us to the state championship. We're hanging out right now with one of the big guys of the state championship team over there at AC Floor. He had two touchdowns, 117 yards. The senior, Eric Rice, joining us here on Southern Sports Central on our Hour Power Hour of Champions as we, of course, are on that 4A conversation. Now, of course, when you look through this moment, when did, I guess, it hit you guys? I mean, you guys, if I'm not mistaken, had the nightcap on Saturday night as uh, you guys were the final game of the weekend. Uh, when did it hit you that, hey, I just won a state championship. I'm getting a ring. I get to hold this trophy. 
I get to be the big man on campus forever and ever and be a part of a fraternity that will always welcome me in as a champion. Uh, to be honest, it, it's only two days after, and it's like it's kind of starting to hit me, but it hasn't fully hit me yet. It kind of started when I held the trophy, but I guess the full feeling will be there when I actually get the ring. Now, when you the the one thing that I that I thought that again showed a lot of class with you guys and Eugene bringing this up to my attention as well through the other side of the glass. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the character of this team because I'm going to bring this up. You know, this is coming of uh, where you guys walked over to talk to the guys at North Myrtle Beach. I mean, showed total character, first class. The reality that at the end of the day, as athletes, we are a we are a brotherhood, we are a fraternity. At the end of the day, man, tell me about that. Who led that charge and, and, and what was said, not really in detail, but, but what went through the minds and, and some of the conversations? Well, our coach, he tells us all the time to respect our opponent. And, I mean, they did. They had a great season, obviously, to make it to the championship. And you got to, like, you got to give it to them for that. And, actually, Jalen Brown, number 42, he led the charge over there because – him and some of the other defensive linemen actually know one of the North Myrtle Beach players. And so, I mean, they're already brothers. So even though it is a state championship and everything and they lost, it's still, like, bigger than the game. I think that's a first-class thing, man. And I've seen a lot of character moves, and, and I hope it ends up on every avenue across the country, around the world, because to me, that right there, guys, shows so much – character so much heart so much just the reality of what we really are at the end of the day why we compete in between the lines as we would say right in between the numbers at the end of it all we're all of course in the same boat the same family and again i want to congratulate you your entire team for winning the 4a state championship in 2020 as 42 to 7 very convincingly by the way but the biggest win i thought came across when uh, eugene and i were watching you guys walk across and have that conversation i thought man those rings are awesome, but what they just did, what they did off the field was just as awesome as the win you guys did on the field. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Congratulations. Uh, I'll be reaching out to you, and uh, we'll have the conversation. There's some things coming up I want to get in you involved into. Uh, what colleges, man? You got anything going on uh, that, that's pulling at you? Have you given any thoughts of where you're going to further that education? Um, I'm currently – just like waiting right now, but I have offers from the Citadel, Stetson, Presbyterian College, and Benedict College. They're all great colleges, man. All, every one of those that you just mentioned. I can tell you the Citadel is not too far from the studio here down here in Charleston. You get that ring. That's like that ring you're going to get in a couple of days, brother. You get that ring from the Citadel. Man, you just put mm-hmm. that hand down with that state championship on one, then you put that other one down on the Citadel on the other. Man, jobs are going to be the the least of your worries, my friend. Trust and believe me, brother. Great job. Congratulations, Mr. Mr. Rice. I appreciate your time tonight. You and I will be talking again soon off the air. Thanks, Mom and Dad and your coaching staff for letting you come on, represent you guys as you win the 2020 4A State Championship, 42-7. to Of course, AC Floor, man. Congratulations, buddy. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, we keep it moving. The train doesn't stop there. We're heading. I believe we got another stop. This time, 
I got to find out what's in the water in the upstate because it's, I believe, Mr. Zach has joined us. He's a big-time defensive end. He's a linebacker. He's a state champion in 1A football. They won 46-6 to over there with the Southside Christian. My man, what's going on, Mr. Zach? How's life in the upstate? It's going great. It's going great. Glad we won the state championship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, not better. So let me try it. I got to try it. You know, I do the play-by-play stuff around the uh, the low country for some high school football. So big names, last names, mamas and grandmamas, they love us to get it right. So let me try your name because it's not one of the easiest ones. You probably have been told this, but is it um, is it Zavitsky? It is Zavitsky. Yes, sir. Look at there. Eugene, one point for me. All right, so – Zach, man, I watched you guys all year long. Matter of fact, Eugene is the other half of Southern Sports Central, brother. And, and I got to tell you, I got I got to tell you this. I watched your youth program, your 12U, which is part of the SE, sorry, the uh, South Carolina Youth Football Association, right? They they look just like you guys. I don't know if you've ever seen these young kids. They came down here and played in a, a state championship game a couple weeks ago. Brother, they're just as big. They're not as big as you, by the way. And I want you to check in real quick. But there's some big dudes on that team, too. How big a fella are you, by the way, Zach? I'm sitting at 6'1", 215 right now. Yes, sir. So, there you go. Hey, I tell you what, man. You got that look like you could just tear through a wall. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, Eugene wants to know what size jersey you wear. I, I'm a large but I was in an extra large this year because I had to help out on the offensive line, so I had to wear 56 this season. I was, I was I wearing you. 49, but I switched over this year to help out on the O-line because we were short a few bodies due to injuries and stuff like that. Well, I'm going to jump in here real quick. That jersey looks a little small <laughs> on you, brother. <laughs> I, I feel but, like it's a little big. That's why I tuck it up pregame because it gets on my nerves all it's all falling down on my stomach and everything. <laughs> well, my girlfriend, my my girlfriend's sister is an administrator at your school. She works in the uh, the youth development uh, with some of the um, uh, special needs kids. Uh, uh, her name is Kate Haddock, and uh, she was they couldn't go to the game, so she was uh, live streaming it for us. So we had almost a play by play for you guys during the game. I tell you. Some, <laughs> The, the biggest turnaround, I think, were the interceptions, man. You guys were just mm-hmm. on defense, were just playing lights out. And Richie and I got to see your youth program play some defense against the Rock Hill All-Stars. And uh, I don't know what you're doing. I guess that's what he was alluding to with the water up there. But uh, defensively, for, for, for a team that's been known for its offense, you guys came uh, to play, with, you know, with your hair on fire. Yeah, we just – we play – we just attack, you know, um, our coaches put us in a position to win. Um, we just line up in the correct spots and do our job and stay sound, and it all sort of works itself out. Every man does their job. Hanging out right now quickly with Zach Zavisky. I got it right, Eugene. As we look at the big man, he plays any position, every position around the field. He'd probably kick it, guys, if you need him. But he does have his fourth offer, by the way. How about it, man? Tell me about these offers as you are part of that 21, the class of 2021, where everybody said football season wasn't going to happen. Well, that wasn't true because mm-hmm. you got a ring to prove it happened. You guys dominated, yep. suffocated, and regulated 
1A football from the upstate to the lower state in that 46-6 win against a very good team out of Dillon County. I believe it was Lakeview, right, that you guys played? Yes, sir, it was Lakeview. Lakeview. But now that being said, what about these offers, man? Who's calling you? Who's hitting you up? Who's wanting you? Who's trying to get that extra opportunity to get some of that offensive defensive side of the ball from you? Right now, um, I've got offers from Methodist, Wheaton, St. Norbert, and Huntington College. Um, I've got some bigger schools looking at me. Um, I'm not quite sure where I'll end up yet due to COVID just because a lot of recruiting has been sort of suspended and pushed back. So right. I'm just sort of waiting and seeing what happens, just letting it work itself out and trying to get my film out to coaches and, you know, just do my best to get my name out there. Now, of course, you're over there at Southside Christian, a one A school. But, but I got to be honest with you, man. You are the reason. You guys are the reason that I don't buy in on all that. The ones to the threes, and and I understand that you guys could probably play some fours and fives and and be be able to be competitive. There's no doubt about that. Because watching how you guys handled the business in the upstate, look, I had to start asking questions about the third game of the week when I started watching you guys. I was like, where did this thing come from? And I started getting an education on you guys, really. I mean, there's so many guys who, you know, we were all so memorized by not only how you handled yourself on the field, but the mannerisms. Well, tell me about your coaches, because it sounds like to me, man, they're no tall, no, 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 I don't want to use the, the, the BS rule, but they are no BS kind of guys, right? They're, they're right down the line. And if you do this on the sideline, you're going to do that in the game. And so goes in the classroom. How did they keep all that intact with all the regulations and, and the teams that had to sit out and miss a lot of games because of the dirty word we don't use on this network? Um, I mean, when it comes down to it, we're all, I feel like we're all, we've been raised right. We're all just sort of good kids, but the coaches are a big part of it. They're, it's no nonsense. You know, they, they check in on our grades. They're making sure we're not getting in trouble at school. They're very hands-on and they're involved sort of in the outside aspect, not just on the field. And they, they care and they, they just try to help us along and do what's best for us for our future. All right, Zach, I'm going to ask you like I ask everybody, brother. Give me a moment, man. When you close your eyes, I'm sure this state championship's going to be right there at the front line. But other than this ring, other than this moment that you had this past weekend, man, when you think about your time and your energy and the sweat and tears and the, just the, the frustration that, that it was well worth it, definitely after this weekend, right? Give me something that you will always remember when it comes back to the days at Southside Christian. Um, for me, really, it's got to be my sack on fourth down versus Lamar in the third round of the playoffs this season. Um, mm-hmm. I had three sacks on that last drive to seal the game, but that last one, it just made, it made me realize, like, all my hard work sort of culminated into that one hit, and ultimately that's what gave us the win to go to state and stop that drive. Um it was sort of everything came together in that moment, and I realized, like, we can do this. We're going to – we're making it to state. And I'll, I'll remember yeah. that moment forever. The hit, the pre-play, I said a quick prayer in my head right before the play and just got in my stance and just went at the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did that, my friend. You can hashtag it, bring it, believe it, and know that it happened. Yeah. As you guys are, of course, the 1A state champions 2020 is a year that will always be remembered by you guys, your brothers, and uh, your team, mm-hmm. your coaches, 
everybody, man. Y'all made it through this. And I'm going to tell you what, you guys who, by the way, we've had already the, the 5A, the 4A represented here. You're, of course, at the 1A. Coming up next is Jackson Crosby, mm-hmm. third at 3A, Daniel team. And, by the way, the upstate, everybody just did what they did. And, and I'm not even going to talk about the game next or this weekend because it'll play itself out. But <laughs> upstate, you guys, are, you're doing it big, man. And it's love in, mm-hmm. in, in all of our hearts to see you kids finishing the year. But I'm going to tell you this, Zach, and I'll let you go. Is that I'm going to tell you, if you guys can do this, which you just did, not only getting through the season, which nobody thought it could happen, not only getting through and getting into the playoffs, winning a state champion, all that makes a difference, brother. I believe there's nothing that will stop this class of 21, guys. I think you guys are all special, no matter what school you're in, whatever, if you play football or not. I just think this is going to be a very special class, and I think it's going to do some really special things when you guys get in and take over, uh, I would like to say, uh, the, the United States, the world, the, you know, whatever it is that you guys decide to do, I think you guys are going to be extremely successful. Yes, sir. Thank you. I believe that, too. I, it's a definitely a special class, for sure. A lot of ballers in the upstate, for sure. Yeah, you guys are balling out, for sure. You and I will catch up. I've got your number. I'll reach out to you. If not later after the show, I'm going to reach out to you tomorrow and at your leisure call me back on my, my cell phone. But uh, God bless you. Congratulations. Merry Christmas to you and your entire team. And make sure you tell your coaches at Southside Christian to reach out to us because we want winning coaches on the show Wednesday. It's winning coaching Wednesday. So I need somebody from Southside Christian's coaching staff to represent and do their thing with us next uh, here on Wednesday afternoon. I'll let them know. All right, buddy. Good job, Zach. Appreciate you, man. Sending love to you guys. Much love indeed. Enjoy the victory until, uh, well, whenever, because you guys will always be known as the 1A state champions in the state of South Carolina, buddy. Take care. Thank you. Merry Christmas. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And like that, we stay in the upstate because I'm heading to where? Oh, guess what? Daniel is on the line and definitely on the time here as we welcome in Mr. Jackson Crosby, quarterback slash wide receiver, y'all. He is hanging in and hanging out with us for the next 10 to 15, and he did it big with a 52-31 win against Camden. And, boy, did y'all find a way to stop the lane train and a few others around that Camden yard. Those dogs were ready to hunt, but not on the Daniels and the Lions as you guys won big. Man, Jackson, what a great game you had, man. I mean, did you have three touchdowns, two, four? I mean, how many did you score? It's a bunch. (laughs) Yes, sir, three. Three. I was three. I had it right. We were. I was talking to Stacy Huff uh, earlier, brother, and uh, he and I were getting into the conversation, and I told him that you were coming in. And, man, I watched your game. I sat here down in the low country. I didn't want to take a media pass because I wanted, you know, if somebody covered it on a regular basis, I didn't want to jump in their way. So I watched you guys ball out. Yeah, man, I got to tell you, man, and, and, I'm, and, and help me remember, uh, was there one of the catches where you ran to the back of the end zone and almost ran on the track? Was that, was that you? That that was Eli Merck, and he, he almost was slipped the on the track. <laughs> yeah, yes, I was sir. gonna ask you about yeah, that guy, man, because I guess, he almost busted it, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, what what I a was great a hard season. time about that. And he didn't drop the ball either. I mean, he he kept the ball. No, he, he didn't, didn't. fall. He I mean, you know, that was the most yeah. impressive part. <laughs> yeah. All the other stuff was easy. I mean, that's what we do on football fields. But when you can walk and talk and do your thing with cleats on on that track, man, it was uh, it was definitely special, man. What a special year you guys had, man. I watched you guys all year long, and and I, I got to tell you, man, it was 
I thought it was going to be a little bit closer than that 52-31, but it seemed like you guys had a heck of a defensive scheme for a very ground-and-pound kind of team out of Camden. I know you guys have a lot of respect for the Bulldogs, and, and I saw a lot of respect. And I got to tell you something, in the entire state championship game, you just heard us talking, uh, or maybe you didn't hear, but we were talking to one of the men who they walked over. And Eric, of course, uh, Rice and the guys from AC Florida and showed some love to North Myrtle Beach as they were hit pretty heavy in their hearts with a loss. It's tough to see, you know, when we cover guys like you guys, we see the victory side to our left and the, the guys who fell short on the right, man. But, you know, I saw you guys at Daniel do the same thing where you guys were showing a lot of first class and, and, and there was a lot of uh, sportsmanship, man. You know, that's one thing I would say about our state that's probably one of the things we're best at, and that is sportsmanship. I agree on that, yes, sir. I mean, I mean Willis and Bracy and, uh, of course, Jafari, they all played a good game. And uh, I mean, I thought I thought it was going to be a lot different being on the field with those guys. But, I mean, a lot of respect to all of them. And uh, there wasn't really a lot of talking on the field either. So, I mean, we all have a lot of respect for those guys. Well, I got to tell you what, man, the respect is definitely on, on the other side for you guys as well as y'all figured it out, 52-31. You get three touchdowns out of that 52 points, man. That's pretty impressive in itself. Yes, now, thanks. I got to ask you the question, and everybody always probably brings this up, man, but I, I see your colors, right? But there seems to be a lot of Clemson uh, connection over there, man. How, how cool is it for you guys to look in the stands and see some coaches that uh, win national titles as well as you guys are now winning state titles. How cool is that being some kids that are up there to the school that's right up there, a university near you guys? I mean, it's pretty crazy, but, I mean, we are, we've gotten used to it. And uh, Actually, they, they didn't even get to come to the state championship because they had a game that night at Virginia Tech. So I think a couple <laughs> of them watched the stream in the first half and then in the second half, or wait, actually, I think the stream was down for a little bit in the first half, so they FaceTime parents and stuff. But, I mean, it's a crazy good opportunity, and, I mean, it's it's a blessing to play in front of those guys. Now, of course, we're hanging out right now with Jackson Crosby. He's one of the many dudes that did their thing on, the course, uh, the football field this weekend and the weekend of champions, of course, uh, 3A, well represented in the upstate by Daniel. They took on a very good – team out of of course Camden now uh, and that's something that I watched you guys and I've seen it seems like every year you guys graduate kids because in high school that's what you do you graduate and you move on even though there's all the hashtags of never graduated it's not reality but it seems like you guys have built that foundation and now here comes the beginning of a dynasty a beginning of, of something a lot bigger than just this game there's a lot of games ahead well, what was in your mind when this season started? I know you guys had a very special team last year. You guys are continuing to build on something special. But when you realize, okay, this is my team, I'm a senior, this is it for me, you know, give me your mindset. What did you share with your brothers of the class, of that senior class of leadership? What was the message that you guys pushed to the underclassmen? Well, uh, when a lot of those guys got up there, I mean, we were doing the whole COVID deal with the groups and everything, and uh, – as soon as we got together, I was like, guys, I mean, we have a great foundation laid here. We have we have a chance to go do something big this year, and we want to get it rolling for Daniel again. And, uh, I mean, we came out here, and we worked hard, and we got our chemistry rolling. And we just – I mean, everything just fell our way, it seemed like. I mean, we worked hard, and I told, I told Clay Sweeney and Trent after the game, I said <laughs> – after we got done celebrating, I was like, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be here next year when y'all are back in, and I have full faith in y'all to get back to it and get it done. So I mean, 
I'm excited for what these guys can do next year and years on. And I mean, it's just, it's just going to be something special. Live right now, hanging out with the 3A state champions for the state of South Carolina as they finished a season that said would never be done. And well, they got rings and things to prove you're wrong. And that is Jackson Crosby, a quarterback and wide receiver. Talk to me about this quarterback conversation, brother. I see it on your Twitter handle, man. Uh, do you get a chance to do any of that? Have you done past year? I know your hands were needed at the wide receiver, though. Yes, sir. So, uh, going into this year was uh, me and Trent, and then Wise moved up here. And, honestly, I think all three of us could start, I mean, at most schools. And stuff. I mean, I'm not disrespecting anybody else and out there. and Sure. But uh, I think all three of us have di- – we have different games, but I think – we all three can get it done. And so we came in, and I started the first two games. And then we – I mean, we kind of – we still rotated in those two games. I mean, we steam, we played Seneca and Pendleton. And we won those games pretty big. And then I actually got quarantined right before we got to play Wren. So then mm-hmm. Trent came in and started that game. And, I mean, he went off and exploded. And uh, Wise came in that game. Wise did good, too. And – uh so then we played easily the next week, and I wasn't there for that one as well. And, I mean, Trent just put up numbers again. But, I mean, then I came back, and uh, I, I started the BHP game, and we had a little we had a little struggle uh, struggly first drive and a, and a busted play, put Trent in, and he threw a touchdown. I was like, you know what? I mean, as long as I can produce somewhere, whatever we need to do is what I'll do. And, I mean – I went in there and I played receiver and I mean helped the team out and uh Wise found his own spot. I mean he ran the ball well. I know you watched the game. He mm-hmm. I don't know if we could have done it without Wise. I mean Chris Edge is a sophomore and he tore his ACL this year. He plays running back and he went down oh, wow. and I mean Wise really stepped up and filled that role for Chris Edge and obviously Jordan Graydon's still in there running back, but having those two different types of runners really helped us out. I love that. I, I love the laid backness of you, brother. You sitting there. Well, you know, I mean, you know, Eugene. I want you to chime in here real quick, brother. Uh, you, you, you hear him there where he just said, hey, you know, I mean, you know, I was just going to head out and do a couple of things. I mean, score three touchdowns in the state championship game. No big deal. I mean, you know, we're going to get some curly fries later after the game. Team, chime in, man. I love the laid back. Just the just the first class mannerisms of this young man. Well, you know, I had him and, and uh, his linebacker cohort there on the show right before the right. Camden game, and, and and you guys were just, you know, hey, you know, just like you said earlier, you know, they they got some speed that maybe we haven't seen before. They got some big physical guys. You know, we got to concentrate on Willis and Bracy, and, and as you mentioned, Jafari, and that kind of three-headed running game. And, you know, uh, uh, Richie, you know, when they were on, that was the night I was subbing in for you, bud. You had that basketball game to cover, and, you know, it, right. it's the same thing as tonight. You know, it's just you know the other side of the game where where he was victorious. But you know, their their game plan was, hey, you know, we're going to go out and, and play disciplined football. We're going to do our assignments. Uh, and, and you know, the assignment was, hey, I'm going to get the ball and find the end zone not once, not twice, but three times in the state championship game. You know, for a lot of guys, you know, they just want to play in that game to get some plays to say, I played in the state title game. You know, uh, getting three touchdowns. I guess that's something that you know you may. You know, uh, find yourself in the record books there and, and uh, something to carry forward. You know, hey, I started out as a quarterback, found my way as a receiver, 
uh, like you said, you know, kind of transitioned there, found a home, and you know, finding your finding your home in the end zone with the ball three times in a state championship game, man, that's uh, that's really unheard of uh, in, in football. Yes, sir. I mean, thinking back on, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. Now let's talk about too, your thing, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say, Richie, one of the big things they were talking about too is that culture. Uh, they, they, you know, <laughs> I, I think we spent most of the night talking about your guys' culture over there. Uh, you know, and uh, one thing, you know, Richie talked about the coaches and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I know the seniors, you guys said, hey, you know, well, two years ago when you lost in the state playoffs that y'all were building something special. Uh, talk to us a little bit, too, about the coaches and how they helped, you know, kind of instill that culture. You know, where did the drive come from? Uh, because, you know, you know, it changes. You know, guys graduate, coaches move on. But, uh, you know, so, so where did that kind of that – that pebble or that seed get planted two years ago, uh, and who were some of the guys planting that seed? Yes, sir. Um, well, I mean, Coach Wofford, who is now at Northwestern, he came in, and uh, we changed our offense around. And uh, once we saw that we could be successful with what we had, I mean, I think every guy was like, this could be something special, and we know we have a chance to do something big here. I mean, after we got it, I thought we were – had a good chance of winning it that year and it was the first year that we really kind of swung things around and uh once we saw that we made it the upper state we were like oh we got to stay with it and uh i mean guys like i mean we had seniors that year that were, we had an unbelievable defense that year and uh hampton earl really uh kind of led the way with the receivers kind of getting them all to buy in and guys like tyler venables who was even here last year i mean he was doing a great job of leading the team and great job of teaching these younger guys how to move forward and battle adversity. And, I mean, we came close last year, too, and I wish we could have done it with those guys, but they really laid the foundation to get this thing started. I agree with you. The thing I like hearing you say, I mean, I've heard you say Sweeney. I've heard you say Venerables. For the listeners out there that could be listening outside of the South Carolina uh, corridors or the ears of the state lines, that is the, the head coach and the defensive coordinators, kids that are playing on this team they bring i would imagine a little bit of their own energy from uh, some pretty good leadership in their own house there uh and we talked a little bit about that but before i get you out of here first of all i need your help we need your help there because on wednesday it is winning coaching wednesday the state champion coaches we'd love to have one of your coaches if the head coach can join us that'd be great but i'm going to put you on assignment there jackson see what you can do for us in boxes let us know what we need to do but before we go, education is something that's never going to graduate in your back pocket, my friend. You will one day, unfortunately, play your last football game. I know it's hard to believe, but it's going to happen. But you will have an education to go with that thing. I see North Greenville. I see the Citadel. Both colleges, very good. And I got to tell you, man, it's it's a win-win for those. But tell me, man, what does the future look like for uh, – Mr. Jackson coming this time next year, and how many schools are you looking at? What type of major are you looking into? Well, I mean, first of all, I think I want to be either a criminal justice major or a business major. And uh, right now I'm thinking, I mean, I have a few good choices. I mean, the Citadel is a great choice. I mean, it's, it's more than about just football. And if I go to the Citadel, I'd actually play baseball too. So there you go. we're going to – I'm going to think on it. I'm still thinking about it. And, uh, I mean, I've talked to Clemson a little bit. I mean, I want to see what happens with that. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to get a scholarship or anything. But, I mean, the Citadel just really sets you up for life, and I love those guys down there. But uh, I haven't made a decision for sure. But 
I'm thinking I'll make a decision within the next few months, couple months. I mean, right. obviously, I don't really have that much time, but that's it. All I can tell you to do is you, you pray about it, brother. You let the Lord lead your steps. You're never going the wrong direction, but you said and I and you said this, and I'm going to finish this with you, buddy. But you said, "Well, I don't know about getting a scholarship." Well, there's a kid who wore a number 13, who I played for his father back at Sacasi High School. You already know I'm going Hunter Renfro on you. Yes, sir. Hunter Renfro didn't go and get any scholarship until he got there, my friend. So it's not about it's not about uh, you know you know what you do or, or where you start. It's about where you finish, young man. So if, if Clemson is your dream school, I challenge you, just like the season challenged you, COVID challenged you. And look at you, rings, things, all kind of stuff, man. So if that's where your heart's at, man, go over there and grab that scholarship, man. Do your thing. I got faith in you, man. And I do want to say this. Thank you for joining. Last Monday, I wasn't here. I was doing a, a TV game for the basketball here down at the uh, at Fort Dorchester. But you did a great job. I went back and I listened to all of our broadcasts, uh, as you guys can always go back and listen to them as well. And um, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on tonight. I appreciate the time and the memories and the energy and the sweat and the tears and the frustrations, but also appreciate the the smiles and the laughter and all the high fives and fist bumps and that new COVID, you know, elbow pop or whatever y'all call it these days, man, all the things that you brought to the state of South Carolina and high school football, my friend, you're part of our alumni, man. I was a former high school football player, former baseball player, played it at South Carolina in the baseball world. So for me, I can tell you this is that the only thing in your way sometimes is you. So take that part out, go to Clemson, go to the Citadel, go to North Greenville, go wherever the Lord's leading you to go. If that's the path you take, do what you do. Because I tell you, man, that state championship ring ought to show you any day that you don't believe you can't, that ring ought to look at you dead square in the eye and say, oh, wait a minute, I think I got this. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all for having me. All right, buddy. God bless you. Hey, tell your boys, I said congratulations. And anytime y'all want to call in, check in, do that. And if you want to call in, talk some baseball buddy this is your one-stop shop my friend we we love on all sports it's just football season for the next couple of weeks my man we'll talk soon yes sir sounds good all right guys there he goes and that checks out four different schools four different championships and every single one of those young men will graduate this year with a smile that they had no idea walking into the season that they would be sharing this in common and that they are all four graduates of the state of South Carolina, state champions of the state of South Carolina, and incredible young men in the state of South Carolina. I do want to thank the coaches, the athletic directors, the mamas, the daddies, the grandmas, the neighbors. If anybody had a hand on letting these young men come on to our show tonight, and it started off with Mr. Shimon Price over there, the left tackle for Dutch Fork. He won, by the way, four in a row. That's impressive. Four in a row, is, which is a state record. And, of course, that was the 5A young man. And then in 4A, we had A.C. Floor. And that, of course, was Mr. Eric Rice. He had, of course, two touchdowns in the state championship game, 117 yards, 42-7. They won their game over North Myrtle Beach. And then in 3A, you just heard Mr. Jackson Crosby. He had three touchdowns. They won 52-31. He's a big-time guy on the diamonds of baseball and the football fields on Friday nights. And then – Without further ado, we had the 1A young man come in here, and that's Zach Zavitic, or Zavitsky. Excuse me, Zach. He, of course, is a defensive end and a linebacker. He's got four offers. He's also a champion at 46-6 win against the team they played in the state championship. It's been a great night. We started off with Stacey Huff. He was the guy that you saw, you heard, 
and you were part of his broadcast with Watch Fox, and those guys did an incredible job covering our high school sports on Friday and Saturday. And then, of course, at 7 o'clock, we went from Columbia all the way to the North Carolina, Charlotte, if you will. That is the Queen City where we checked in with Reginald Walker Jr. He is the big-time contributor on Monday nights at 7 o'clock. He played for Joe Pa and Penn State, the Nittany Lions. He's currently part of our team and many teams there in Charlotte as he is the face and many of other colleges there in that community. And then 7.30, back to Columbia we went where we checked in with a guy that we love everything he puts together over there at GamecockCentral.com, and that's Wes Mitchell. Don't forget, right now they do have a half-off promotion. Just type in Gamecocks under promotion, or if you just want a 30-day free trial, I got you covered right here. Just go in there, type in GC Pod. That's GC P O T D, and you can get it for 30 days for free. Not a bad thing right now, Eugene, as I know they're going to be busy typing, doing that third shift work, trying to figure out who is going to be the next coaching staff to come through and do what they need to do to get the Gamecocks back in order, buddy. Yeah, and it's been a, a wild ride for Wes. I know this year, this time of the year, they're used to covering that early signing period and, you know, those whole December surprises and who's player X and Y and, and those old heads at Gamecock Central know what I'm talking about. That was back when uh, uh, Lottie Adjaboy was uh, kind of mm-hmm. one of those player X or player Y back when Spurrier was at the helm. And, and you know, actually uh, that was back when the recruiting coordinator was the guy just named head coach. So irony how, how everything comes full circle there. But uh, great having Wes on. And then, of course, you know, we ended up with the, with the four ballers, the four state champions, the four guys toting those new fancy rings. And I can't wait to see what the ring designs come out. You know, that's always a, a, a fun day when they start posting pictures of those rings. So we'll definitely look forward to those, too. I say it's the years of rings and things, trophies and rings. Oh, my, Is it is all part of a state championship conversation Wednesday. This Wednesday, we'll be right back here with you at 6 o'clock. We'll welcome in the coaches. We will reach out to all four schools. We'll go after the head coach. And then we'll work our way through the, 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 the directory, if you will. But we will have a coach represented from all four schools coming in here on Wednesday. Next week, Jamie Chadwell joins us. He and I had a conversation earlier. He's got a very busy schedule. We're not shocked. He just beat the number eight team in the country. He just had college game day over there hanging out with him. So, hey, I expect him to have a lot more things going on. So we'll definitely catch up with him next week. We may have one of his staffers in here on Wednesday as well. So stay tuned for that information as well. And don't forget next Monday night, we're going to get another champion, right, Eugene? We'll see whether or not it will be the guys from Marion or will it be the promised land and the boys from the big A, all of that right here on course Wednesday night. Don't forget tomorrow night. You can check out the West foundation sports show brought to you by Southern sports central and their host right there is their big man on campus. And then Everett Sands. Now Everett Sands has, a great group of young men and women. You can find the show at SO Sports Central. We'll tweet it out at 9.05 so that you can hit that link, listen to that show, call in, be a part of it. a great show from top to bottom. Everett Sands, former Gamecock coach of the running backs, Marcus Lattimore, of course, he coached at NC State, University of Texas, San Antonio. He coached at the Citadel, but he played at the Citadel. He played at Conway High School over there in Conway, South Carolina. And, of course, he also coached at NC State, guys. So we will be back on Wednesday. You can check them out on Tuesday. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and follow us on Twitter 
at SO Sports Central. 20 seconds to go. Eugene, God bless. Take care. I know you're doing a lot on the other side. You and I will catch up in just a few, guys. On behalf of all of us, to all of you, we say God bless. Take care. And until next time, stay classy.